What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us on the first episode of the Take Me On Tour podcast. This has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Way too long. Yeah, talk Year? about how, years. Years. This, yeah. this literally predates every other touring-related podcast. This predates them all, but it's coming way after the fact. Right, very true. I'm joined by uh, Logan Crossland, who I've known for many years now. From working together in the music industry which we will get into momentarily but logan what's going on with you man i'm uh, just uh man trying to uh, pinch myself i can't believe we're finally doing this <laughs> yeah i know it's uh it's about time man um things have been pretty slow in the touring world um so i figured we'd uh get some episodes done now before things get busy again but um it does seem slower than uh previous years for some reason i would say Generally, things are pretty slow around this time, but I've been seeing a lot of people post on social media looking for work. It seems like just a little bit more than usual. Like, I mean, even people who are working for Motley Crue are looking for work out there, which is kind of surprising. Well, yeah, especially because uh, that band in particular, I mean, they've had uh, a ton of shows uh, pop up, but they're all just one offs. You know, there's not really any uh, any full tours. Um, yeah, I would agree. It seems like it's kind of ramping up a little bit. I see a lot more announcements, um, you know, but those first few weeks felt, uh, irregularly slow. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, it is expected for winter to be slow. It, it always is, you know, the holidays, um, plus, you know, everything shuts down for basically what feels like two months. I mean, but, um, yeah, I've just been seeing, uh, even today, right before we recorded this, there was still people posting, you know, if anyone's looking for a tech, a backline tech or whatever, and it's like, it just seems like a very large amount of people are looking for work. So I don't know if something's changed or if it's just slow for everybody. Maybe things are slowing down after after COVID. I mean, I think those first couple of years coming out were really, really strong and maybe people's work is starting to thin out. Yeah, I mean, last year, uh, especially last fall of 2023, I mean, my God, it was so oversaturated. Uh, I mean, it it's crazy and it, it feels like it's probably going to continue into the new year um which you know is, is a good thing and a bad thing but it's tough because uh people don't have money to be buying tickets for a concert every day and now more than ever i mean there's 20 different shows in every city every night <laughs> yeah you got to be rich to go to concerts these days man you can't even good yeah it's got to cost you like 300 dollars just to see a show at, i mean at any kind of arena level even club shows are, you know, up to 25, 30, 35 bucks. And it's just like, it's a lot to pay to go to a bar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I remember, um, shows used to be, I would say $40 was about the max, maybe 45 to see somebody like Rob Zombie or Pantera, maybe like 2004. And now that'll like, you're right. That's more like a club level, but yeah, 45 bucks is probably the max. Unless you were trying to go see kiss or something, it was r roughly 90 bucks maybe. But um, and yeah, like the, the lawn seats at a shed now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, I, I was going to say that I being from Texas, you know, one of the reasons you don't want to really tour it in the winter is just because of the weather alone. But being from Texas, I never really quite understood the winter weather. As you may know, on that graveyard tour, I... <laughs> I show up in Cleveland. I think we landed in Cleveland and I was supposed to meet you there and I show up and I land, I take off from Texas and it's probably, 
I don't know if I'm get, if I had to guess 70 degrees or something and I, I'm wearing shorts and then I, <laughs> I land in Cleveland and it's like, I don't know, 30 some degrees. And I look like I'm the only idiot wearing sh shorts in the whole airport. I, I think we went to get uh, sushi that night, the night you got into town. And, uh, I remember after I dropped you back off at the hotel, um, dude, I mean, I almost, <clears throat> excuse me, I almost died. I forgot uh, I about the, that. There was a blizzard that came in. It was like all good. We're hanging out. It's it's cold, but it's, it's clear. <laughs> then I drop you off, and and twenty minutes later, I'm like pulling over on the highway, waiting for a, a salt truck to go past, just so I can get behind them and and, and stay in their tracks. Uh, it was that. Yeah. It took me like two hours to get home, and it's like a forty five minute drive. I, I forgot about that, but I do remember whenever I got off the plane, and I was telling you, and you were like, I don't know, man. There's supposed to be some bad weather, but you made the trip after all, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, Went and had that, I don't know, what was it, like a Chinese or hibachi place or whatever, but it was all you can eat, something like that? Yeah, it was like a sushi buffet, and I think it was on Valentine's Day, so <laughs> I don't know, Valentine's Day day getting sushi. <laughs> I think you're right, and, and I, I think that might have been one of the first places I've ever been like that, and you were like, make sure you eat everything. Was it, was it that place where you're like, make sure you eat everything because they'll charge you otherwise or something like that? Yeah, they charge you uh, by the pound that you waste. It's like 11 bucks a pound. Yeah, that's what I thought. We uh, recently went to a place uh, here in San Antonio called Izumi, and it's the same thing. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if they charge you by the pound, but um, they definitely charge you if you don't finish. So that was uh, uh, something I wasn't familiar with before that. But, uh, yeah, that place was awesome. But I do remember also on that graveyard tour, I just didn't pack properly at all. I, th I think I brought something that was probably equivalent to, like, a windbreaker. And I remember... It, we're in Chicago and I get off the bus and the, the bus driver's like, aren't you cold, man? And he like feels like the arm of my jacket and it's like, I mean, so thin. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty cold, man. but like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why I guess I hadn't toured in the winter time in, in so long that I just wasn't prepared. I didn't bring anything. So I do remember, uh, one of the next days off, I go to the mall and, um, there's like a JC Penny there. And uh, I see all these jackets there, and I'm just trying so hard to uh, to buy some gloves and a jacket. And I, I don't think I was successful because I went, like, I don't know, 20 minutes before they closed, and I didn't get to pick anything out. So I had to suffer all the way through that door. Yeah, I mean, right now, it's, you know, I'm in Ohio. It's it's uh, it's chilly, but I, I rock a short, uh, shorts and a T-shirt all year long. Oh, tough guy over here. I don't even wear a coat <laughs> half the time. Yeah, I, I did end up uh, coming home and... Um, uh, I, I went on JC Penney's website and I ordered some, some jackets for like, it was like 20 or 30 bucks. And I got like two pairs of gloves and I still got them and, uh, I, I pack them, but it's funny that now that I have them, I seem to never use them, but I, I definitely pack them whenever I go on tour, just in case. Yeah. I could imagine those, uh, weather changes are, uh, difficult. Yeah. But yeah, things are slow. Uh, they start. They'll they'll start to pick up in in March, of course, just like uh, they always do. But the last tour I did was uh, Static X tour, co-headliner with uh, Seven Dust. I've been home since November second, so it's already been uh, a couple of months now. Um, but that was a great tour. I went and filled in for maybe two and a half weeks, and just got absolutely crushed on that tour, uh, selling merch for Static X. But um, yeah, and then I just. Uh, the only thing I've done since then is I sold merch for Breaking Benjamin, which uh, I'm not too fond of selling merch anymore, but they're on that acoustic tour right now. And um, 
They needed somebody to sell merch. They don't have a merch person right now on the tour, but in every city they're, you know, hiring a local and figured they were coming through San Antonio. They figured it might as well be me, but um, that was about the wouldn't last be, thing I did. Wouldn't it just be easier if they brought uh, a merch seller with them instead of having to uh, find somebody every single day? It would, and and on a, you know, especially when when you're dealing with thousands of dollars, literally, um, and you know, money of those amounts, you would think, and it would make sense to at least have one road person, and then you you know you hire a local because we had three people actually. It was only supposed to be two, but we had three. But yeah, I mean, they just went really really bare bones on this tour. It's the band plus four crew. They got a tour manager um terry who's a you know merch vip coordinator and then they had uh cowboy who's handling all of backline so he normally does stage left guitar teching for two guys he's basically teching for the entire band including sean foist who plays drums so he's covering five people and then they've got uh a guy who's doing sound and um i guess that's it yeah just four people but the tour just recently ended but yeah it would make more sense but and actually the first time I worked with them, that's what I was doing was uh, selling merch for them on an acoustic tour. But we had way more crew. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. So it's basically basically the same tour all over again, even with Keith Wallen opening up. But I mean, they um, yeah, no merch person. So I know I go in there to sell merch and I open these boxes and it's just a mess, man. The, the people before, you know, he was telling me Terry was telling me that they just weren't the best people. And um, that's what kind of sucks is every time you're doing a uh, a show with somebody else's hands in there before you're dealing with cleaning up someone else's mess and you're trying to find all the sizes and the designs and it's just a mess. But I got through it and um, it was a little painful, but I needed to make some money and uh, I'm glad I got to see everybody in Breaking Ben. It had been a, a few months, so it was good to see them. It's been, uh, what, like two two years or so that you've had that gig? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a couple of years now. I mean, I've probably done roughly five tours with them or so. The next tour I'll be doing is actually, uh, this will start in the middle of March, uh, breaking Benjamin with Daughtry supporting. And I can't remember who the opener is, but, um, I know, uh, Logan says he's a big Chris Daughtry fan. Hey, I am, man. That first record is, is, uh, I still listen to it, man. It's, it's fucking good. I, I don't know if I know any Daughtry songs, but I mean, I could say the same thing for a lot of bands I've toured with. I just, uh, I don't know, maybe I've heard them and don't realize them, but, um, yeah, it'll be with, with Daughtry, uh, direct support. And then there'll be an opener as well. It's just, I, I really just can't remember who it is, but, um, right after that, um, sometime in May, I know breaking Benjamin's doing, uh, welcome to Rockville as well. And that's, uh, quite a lineup. Um, which you can see here, that's uh, your favorite Motley Crew on Thursday. Uh, yeah, you know it, it always blows me away um, when these these festivals go the more classic route, especially you know the way that that they're geared now. It's, I mean, you see Jelly Roll on there and and stuff like that, and then Motley Crew, and um, yeah, I'm a little surprised, but uh, that band somehow is is always managed to. Uh, be trendy uh, for whatever reason you know and I, I really do love that band but yeah i don't know how but they they always find a way to, to be uh, at the top of everything yeah I, I don't know how these festivals even put these lineups together i don't know how they even manage to have 
enough bands to to do this every year without so many repeats. I mean, the last time I think uh, Breaking Ben did a Welcome to Rockville was 2022, and it's like you can only skip a year, and then you kind of got to bring those bands back. If not, there's just not that many, in my opinion, to keep these festivals going. Well, and the other thing, you know, that, that I find to be interesting is, you know, you see Mr. Bungle on here, you see Primus, and great bands, but but very outside the wheelhouse of, of even Motley Crue and certainly, you know, Foo Fighters falling in reverse, uh, Greta Van Fleet, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, generally, I, I would say that fans of, of bands like that are not into you know, wh whoever I just said and, and Limp Biscuit and stuff. So yeah. it's interesting that they, that they do uh, decide to include these bands uh, because I, I would imagine that I haven't been to a festival in so long. I hate festivals now, but uh, I'm too old. I can't handle it. But um, yeah, I would imagine, you know, I mean, how many people going to see uh, Falling in Reverse have ever even heard of Mr. Bungle or, or Primus for that matter, you know? Yeah, that's true. And, and may maybe some of that is, you know, for the sake of, mixing things up but also like i was saying there's maybe there's just not enough people that kind of got to go outside the box a little bit but um co wetzel's there um on friday writes on the same day as jelly roll and jelly roll has been quite the crossover artist for i guess quite some time now it seems like almost every tour he does is somewhat of a rock tour or a country rock tour but co wetzel is somebody who I feel like I kind of have to ask people if they know who Cole Wetzel is, uh, just because I feel like it's so focused on Texas. Although he does tour the the U.S., he's nowhere near as big as Jelly Roll. But I'd be interested to see how how people react to him because I think he's a little more country than Jelly Roll, even though I really don't know what Jelly Roll sounds like. Excuse me. Well, I would say uh, a few years ago um, we were working on a uh, puddle of mud tour in Canada. And at one point, we had discussed possibly doing a co-headliner uh, with Puddle of Mud and Co. Wetzel, which, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, wow, that's uh, that's interesting. But, uh, you know, I think it would have done really well. But at this point in time, I mean, there's there's not a chance uh, that, that Co. Wetzel would uh, do a co-headliner with Puddle of Mud anywhere in the world because he has grown. Uh, he's grown quite a bit, not like Jelly Roll. I mean, I, I remember seven, eight years ago, back in the, the promoter days, uh, which is, is how I met you, of course, which I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, uh, around that same time I met you, this was maybe eight years ago, uh, I got hit up to have Jelly Roll at a, you know, it was like a, a 500 cap room. Yeah. And now he's, you know, doing 15, 20,000 seat uh, venues. Yeah, I don't know how people's careers change so fast but it just happens uh co wetzel as you know uh rob uh what we call him rob dog <laughs> from uh shattered sun you know who played drums for shattered sun he's working for co wetzel now and when i went to the first time i worked for co wetzel was probably three years ago or so and he was playing to maybe three to four thousand people and it was like an outdoor uh venue and <clears throat> it's just it it wasn't i mean it was a, a lot of a lot of people but it just wasn't uh Nothing like he's become now. He's playing arenas. He just did uh, the uh, Frost Bank Center, which used to be the AT&T Center here. And it was, I mean, that's a full-blown arena, and he's headlining that thing. So he's just come really far in a short amount of time. But, yeah, Rob's got a good gig there. And uh, Brian Watt, who does merchandise, I mean, he started out with Shattered Sun, and he's working for them as well. So they've they've grown with him, and uh, I'm glad that it's going well for 
for all of them they're really um, at the peak of his career i would say i'm uh, excited to see footage uh, of carrie king's new band i mean to me out of this entire lineup uh, and i'm sure I'm not alone i mean that's that's probably the highlight um you know most of these bands like we said i mean they're they're on these festivals every year every other year obviously this is the first show for carrie king so to me that's probably the most uh, exciting thing about this yeah although you true. won't be guys huh I, I won't be there that day but i mean uh you're right that is a probably a, one of the biggest deals of this show in general is carrie king i don't think he's done anything since slayer um he, he also does have a cool logo as we've talked about but um other yeah, than he, the font yeah <laughs> but that that k k thing with the uh inverted cross is pretty cool but uh yeah he's already i mean it, it is a smaller stage but he is headlining uh one of the one of the stages there which i mean I'm, I'm sure he can handle especially if it's on the level of something like in flames which is doing the next day but i mean i i am excited i i don't know you know the way things happen in the past i don't know if i'll be at this uh show i mean i'm hoping i am but sometimes you know if it's just a couple of festivals they'll just ship merchandise in and i don't really have to be there but i would be excited to be there because uh slipknot's playing right after breaking benjamin and that's got to be one of my all-time favorite bands i mean i it's it's almost to the point where i don't even i, I don't want to be there because i don't know i mean my anxiety is going to get the best of me just because uh i don't know it's exciting but uh there's going to be a lot going on but yeah it would be cool to see slipknot uh right after breaking benjamin if uh if i end up at that festival yeah i haven't seen slipknot in, in so long the last time i was at one of their shows it was the um slipknot Marilyn Manson of Mice and Mentor. And uh, we went to Pittsburgh for it. And about four or five songs into Manson's set, it started storming real bad. And uh, so the show got canceled. So it's really been probably a, a decade or so. I think last time I saw them, uh, they were doing, it was on the uh, uh, the Grey chapter. Um, yeah, it's yeah, been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them twice on that tour. Um, but uh yeah i'd like to see them again but i'm i'm curious to see what happens uh obviously a lot of slipknot drama with with jay weinberg and then now uh you know Corey taylor having the the having some issues and canceling uh a bunch of his headline stuff so i'm curious to see what happens and and maybe uh we'll see how long after the show if they do play it uh we'll see how long until people have identified the new drummer just by you know the way that he moves his hands or something they're gonna be like oh that's so and so hands down yeah i know and that that's a good point too is um there's a lot been happening with slipknot in the last i don't know three or four months or so and it just seems like it's nothing but drama they've they've got a lot of holes to fill um uh, and just it, there's there's just things going on where people don't know what's going to happen there's obviously a, a drummer missing i mean like you said Corey taylor just canceled his tour so i just feel like there's a lot of fans waiting on on answers um and it's Slipknot. I'm sure they've got everything figured out, but I mean, they've they've got, I don't know, two three months before they got to start announcing stuff, or maybe not announcing stuff, and just go out there and put a new drummer and uh, just uh, go for it. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, in Slipknot fashion, they kind of just don't really care and just are gonna do what they do. And I'm pretty sure we'll just see a drummer up there with no announcement, and people will have to figure it out like they always do. Yeah, it always seems like something gets leaked, though, because uh, who was it? I, I forget now, but there was uh, somebody in the band posted a picture on Instagram 
and in the background was uh, like a clothing rack. Right. And so they saw people started seeing, uh, I don't know if it was FAF or whatever, but they saw like a name tag on the clothing rack. I think it was for, I want to say his name is Zach. It was the guy who uh, took over for uh, Craig Jones. But uh, apparently, yeah, I mean, apparently they, they say that that's not true, but it's almost like, how is it not true? I mean, because, you know, like you said, yeah, you see his hanger there and and it's got the letters and apparently, you know, he messed that up. I don't know. Maybe he got in trouble and they're trying to uh, downplay it somehow, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the last thing that, that leaked. Um, see, there's always some kind of leak at some point. Um, but looking at, uh, Sonic Temple, which is the festival that we're doing, I guess a couple of, uh, days following that it's very much the same lineup, more or less. Uh, wait, let me pause you real real quick. Going back to, to Rockville real quick, your former, uh, former employer, uh, theory is also on, uh, the same day as Breaking Ben, you're gonna uh, hang out with those guys, right? Yeah, I will uh, probably see them in cro- in uh, Crossing at some point. Uh, always been good friends with them, even though I've only worked for them a couple of tours. But um, yeah, they're on this Sonic Temple as well, just not on the same day. So uh, welcome to Rockville will definitely be the time to see them. Uh, I did uh, merch, and uh, I was kind of like a what would you call it? like a TM assistant or a production assistant for them uh, a couple of years ago, but um, they've since had somebody else come back and, and fill that role. Somebody that had been with them before. And uh, at the same time, I was kind of already looking to move on from that anyway. Um, I don't know, just the whole merchandising thing is something that uh, I've been doing for a long time. And then the whole, I am looking to get, a, you know, to get away from it. But for, as of right now, that's kind of just where all the gigs are coming from, but also being a, you know, uh, an assistant production assistant, whatever you want to call it. I mean, your, your days are extremely busy and you're, it's just very nonstop. I mean, I felt like there was just always something to do and kind of just like that guy I told you about a couple of days ago where I left him in the lobby <laughs> for two, <laughs> for, for yeah. two, for two hours, like, man. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll be right back, man. Let me go uh, figure out, get you that photo pass. Two hours passes by, man. Then, uh, management's calling me. Is there a guy there trying to get into the show? Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> Let me go see where he's at. Oh, he already left, man. <laughs> Just what a bag you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, w- way too much going on in a day. But um, as um, you see here, Breaking Benjamin, Stained, and Pantera of all bands on the same day we're playing. I don't even know how I feel about that. I don't even know if I'd watch. I mean, I, I mean, my opinion on that is uh, an unpopular opinion, I guess you could say, which is weird because you would think it would be. Say it again. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I know, and it's just I, I think we both agree, and and it's just weird that you would think the majority would would agree with us, and they just don't. It's like everyone's just like, yeah, Pantera's back. Let's just celebrate. It's like I don't know where where that came from. That's the last thing I thought. So. Um, even if I got called for a tour or something, I don't know what I'd say if they were like, Hey, you want to do merch for Pantera? I would feel obligated to say yes, just because, I mean, that's such a big career move, but I, I don't agree with what they're doing. I mean, and not that anybody cares what I think, but it would just be, I just think it's weird, man. And, uh, I've had this conversation with many people and I don't know, uh, 
I try not to get into it too much and let people enjoy it for what it is, but it's just it's just not something that's for me. No, I, I agree. And, and you know, I mean, more power to them if that's what they want to do. But, you know, I remember um, uh, it was on uh, Slayer's uh, final tour, the, the last leg of the final tour. I went to a show. I think it was like uh, – the show I went to was like two weeks before the actual end. So it was it was like one of their last ten shows. And um, Phil Anselmo was on that tour doing um, – it was him and the Illegals or whatever doing uh, uh, a whole Pantera set. And uh, I think that was, uh, I want to say that was like right after Vinny had died. And, you know, it, obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was too young to see Pantera. It's interesting to hear those songs live uh, from Phil. But I just, even then, I'm like, man, I just don't think he would be doing this if, uh, if Vinny was still alive. And then, you know, then, of course, this whole Pantera thing happens and, and, um, you know, I mean, the Zach Wild speculation, I mean, that's been going on for like 15 years. So, you know, it makes sense to, to have him fill that role and, and you know, Charlie from Anthrax and all that. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It does feel a little cash grabby to me. And uh, I'm just not, I'm not into that. But on the flip side, I will say I was uh, initially really opposed to the Static X uh, reunion. Um, and... You know, I still think it's a little strange, but, uh, you know, it, it has grown on me. Um, I, I thought their new record that came out the other last Friday, I think it was, uh, I thought it was decent. It was good. Um, and I think that that's the, the final uh, recordings of, of Wayne that, that exist. But, uh, you know, so that grew on me a little bit. But this Pantera thing, I mean, it's been been what, about a year now? And I, I'm still just as sour about it now as I was then. So I, I don't see my... Uh, my take on that changing yeah i agree the the static x thing i obviously worked for them and worked for them with no issue whatsoever i didn't even really think twice about it but um i guess that's been so many years now though that i mean i think the first time they toured was 2019 so i think we both originally thought well that's kind of weird you know they have a you know wayne somewhat of a zombified wayne as some people might call it on on another guy but i don't know I, don't, I wouldn't say i got over it i guess i kind of heard what they had to say about it and i guess i kind of understood it and now working for them i'm i'm personally behind it now and i got to hear it from a lot of the band and it, it's the thing is that it's just different circumstances you know for pantera you clearly hear you know vinnie paul on uh, behind the music saying you know, without, I don't know if it's on behind the music. It might be an interview that he did, maybe with a uh, Loudwire or something, where they're asking him about a reunion with Zach. And he's just like, no, I mean, there's just, you know, there's no dime bag, there's no Pantera. Once again, stated that a Pantera reunion is completely out of the question. Uh -huh. Why do you think people don't get tired of talking about it? People are selfish, man. You know, they, yeah. they, they, want, they want what they want, they don't care what you want, you know? And it's unfortunate that people go, oh, wow, man, they could get Zach Wilde to jump up there on stage and it's Pantera again. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not that simple. You know, if Eddie Van Halen wants to get shot in the head four times next week, and you, would everybody be going, hey, man, Zach, go play for Van Halen. Just call it Van Halen. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's really selfish for people to think that, and it's stupid. They call it a reunion for a reason. It's called bringing the original members back to what it was, you know. So there's a lot of these things that they call reunions that aren't really reunions. They got one dude from the band floating around in them, you know what I mean? 
that's uh, not a true reunion with Pantera. It'll never be possible, you know? Did everybody just forget about that and or just completely disregard it? Because at this point, I mean, the entire, you know, estate, everybody's behind it. Rita's behind it. Uh, Guy Sykes, who uh, tour managed them for many years, is behind it. And it's like, I don't know what to think about it. But like I said, who cares what I have to think? It's just interesting that um, you would think it would be uh, the opposite where most people wouldn't be supporting it, but those shows are doing great. But yeah, they're on tour again soon. I think with Lamb of God, which, you know, Lamb of God plays every, they're direct support for every arena band, aren't they? Well, what, one more note on, on Pantera, you know, I feel like if, 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 uh, if, if uh, there was no dime bag, if it was somebody else and uh, him and whoever it would be and, and Vinny weren't brothers, Maybe this would have happened when Vinny was alive, but the fact that Dime is his brother, I mean, yeah, there was no way that this was ever going to happen. And I think that's that's the hardest thing. I mean, you knew that that guy was not going to go play Pantera Tunes without his brother. And same with uh, Hell Yeah. They eventually did end up playing in Columbus, uh, you know, where where Dime was murdered back in, uh, what was that, 04? So I guess this this will be the 20th anniversary, I believe. But, you know, I mean, that only happened in like 20... 16 or something like yeah. that well, you know what i mean if it took him that long for a band that was totally unrelated to his brother to even play in the same city i mean there was just there's no way that he was going to play those songs without his brother right and it's just um it's like as soon as you know vinny's gone it well maybe not as soon but still i mean it took some time to put everything together but I mean, he's gone and it's like, yeah, let's just move forward, keep this train rolling, you know, and let's just do what we intended to do, to do this whole time. So it's hard to see anything any other way, but that's just what I believe. And uh, I just I'm surprised that more people don't agree with it. But uh, we'll see what happens whenever that show comes, if I'm even there. But um, yeah, that'll be an, an interesting day. We've got Slipknot on there as well the following day. Like I said, most of these bands are the same, but they're all mixed up, uh, disturbed as well. Mudvayne theory on different days, but I'd be excited to uh, to get to uh, do some of these festivals. It's just always insane to see the uh, amount of merch that they have. I mean, it's ridiculous whenever you uh, go to these festivals and you got to wait in this line that's ridiculously long, and and the the a merch is like got to be like six or seven 20 foot wide tents or something like that maybe 10 foot wide tents but it's just like how is somebody supposed to shop these these designs it's like you got corn merch oh yeah it's down there on the other end let me go i mean <laughs> people are down going down there grabbing designs and bringing them back and i can only imagine how painful it is um to shop merch at, at, a, at a at a festival like that What's uh, amazing to me is, you know, this is Sonic Temple uh, that we're talking about in, in Columbus, uh, which is, you know, I live in Ohio, and this really evolved out of Rock on the Range, which I believe was the first, uh, it was the first rock festival out of all of these, uh, Danny Wimmerfest, which is Aftershock, Louder Than Life, Rockville, all that stuff. I believe Rock on the Range was, was first, um, and I remember, I think it started in like 07, and the first year the headliners were like, ZZ Top and Puddle of Mud. And it's, you know, when there was like eight bands a day, it was like two days and, and eight bands. And now it's, I mean, it's just become this this massive, massive thing. I mean, it's, it, it, 
it's almost like Europe over here now. There's so many uh, crazy, huge festivals. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree that these festivals have gotten huge. And I, I, I feel like there's always been, you know, some festivals here, but lately it's just, it's kind of just the same that we were talking about, about cruises. It's like, everyone's got a festival or everyone's got a cruise. There's just an abundance of them. I mean, years ago there, there were really weren't that many, but, um, like you said, the ones that were there have, have grown tremendously. And I mean, a lot of the times when, when these festivals get announced and I'm, people will, will, you know, text me or they'll be like, Hey, did you see the lineup for this? And I'm like, no. And it's just because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's so many festivals that I, I don't pay attention, I guess. Like, it's almost like, I guess I never go to them, but there's so many that I can't keep track of. I can't keep track of what bands at what festival, whether it's in the U.S. or Europe or wherever. A festival, it's like, oh, it's just another festival. But that's just me. I just can't seem to grasp, like, I, I don't know. I guess I never plan on going. So it's like if I'm working it is the only way I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That, is that there is so many, and, and really they're all basically these same lineups. You know, I think with um, – uh, Sonic Temple, to, I mean, to me, the most notable headliner is the Misfits, um, which is crazy that they would, that they, sometimes it does shock me when they get bands like that, who clearly have zero issues selling out massive venues on their own. Uh, you know, it's crazy that they can even get them to commit to that. But yeah, I mean, other than, you know, the odd one out here or there, it's really just the same lineup uh, over and over. And I, I remember last, uh, last fall they did, um, golden voice who does coachella did a power trip um and it was you know interesting because it was three days long but there was only two bands a day and you know but it was massive you know metallica acdc guns and roses uh tool iron maiden and and uh, uh judas priest replacing ozzy but and in theory it's like wow this is a great lineup and it's it's cool to see them all together but then you look at um like that same weekend there was aftershock in sacramento and outside of ACDC, all the other bands were were at, at uh, Aftershock. So it kind of takes away from the, you know, excitement. I mean, yes, they're hours away from each other, but it's just not as cool when, when a majority of the bands are playing together the weekend before somewhere else. Right. And that that's how it is in, uh, in Europe. I mean, there's what they call the festival circuit, which I did with Devil Driver in 2018, which that was my first and only time over there, but it was my first experience doing anything like that and i didn't really understand the festival circuit you know we went and there wasn't there wasn't it wasn't really a tour it's kind of like you're doing festivals with filling in the holes you know with shows here and there but um yeah it's basically the same thing you look at shows like alcatraz and then bloodstock and um motor culture and all that you know in france and it's like it's the same thing but it's just for a different audience. So it, it's kind of cool because sometimes you'll see the same people three or four festivals in a row. But, um, yeah, it's basically the same thing. There's only so many bands to go around. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think, uh, I don't know. I guess they have it really together over there. I really enjoyed the festivals and the way the uh, backstage is. And actually at um, Bloodstock is when I got this nose piercing because they even have uh free tattoos and piercings for every all the band and crew and it's like you just walk up and tell them what you want i remember i even tried to tip the guy and he was like absolutely not <laughs> he's like we're well taken care of so yeah i don't know if, yeah i don't know if it's uh 
I, I'm guessing they just are given like a large amount of money to uh, take care of these people. But yeah, I mean, I'd say like five or six of the Devil Driver crew all got, you know, piercings or whatever. So um, yeah, they just they really do take care of people and. The way they have it set up is like there's these artist compounds in which the U.S. has adopted as well. But I just, I think Europe does it better, I want to say. I mean, geez, I remember at going back to Welcome to Rockville in 2022. Um, you know, there's, I guess there's only so many ways you can do this. But, you know, Breaking Ben is playing on one end of this, what's the equivalent to the length of a football field, if not longer. And catering is on the exact opposite end. And it's like, I remember, I don't know, I remember asking one of the the runner guys for a ride, and he made it seem like, kind of like, yeah, I'll give you a ride, but this is going to be your last ride <laughs> because I'm not going to come back this way. <laughs> and it was kind of just like, damn, I guess I'll walk. And I remember um, after one of the rides, I think I walked the rest of the way when I needed to go back. But it's like, just to get something, I mean, you're walking across the entire uh, field that they have it out there. It's at the... Uh, the racetrack, I don't remember what exactly what it's called, uh, the Daytona Speedway or whatever the hell. Yeah. So you're walking across this entire uh, field just to get food. And um, I don't know. I mean, I get it. You know, artists are more of a priority than a crew guy. But, damn, it's it's quite a walk. It's at least a good 10-minute walk. Um, and then it's like, damn, after you just ate, now you got to walk all the way back over there. But, uh I did grab a, 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 I did spend some good money on a scooter <laughs> in this last year. So if that does happen, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be scooting my way to catering. Uh, Got to get that <laughs> that fifteen hundred dollars worth that I spent on that scooter. I remember uh, when all that uh, Blue Ridge drama happened uh, back September, October, whenever that was. I saw a uh, a video online of, of uh, somebody walking from the festival grounds to the catering and uh i mean it was like a i think you said a 25 minute walk 20 25 minutes and you had to like i think you had to even like go like on the street and i mean you had it was this crazy fucking long walk and uh i mean obviously that that last year is probably the last year for uh blue ridge <laughs> but uh yeah you would think that when they plan these things they would uh maybe try to map it out maybe a little bit better obviously space is a is a problem and, and you know trying to fit everything in but uh some things are certainly not mapped out as best as they could be yeah i don't remember having any issues like that in at any of the festivals um it's like i don't know maybe they had multiple catering spots or something but i don't know it's like right behind the stage was your bus your dressing room catering it's like you didn't really need to go anywhere all the interviews yeah. were set up right there so it's like i don't know what they did differently but um either way i mean uh these festivals are always fun uh, last time Breaking Benjamin didn't even get to play, they got rained out. I mean, so did uh, so many other bands. Yeah, uh, Megadeth, Ministry, well, Megadeth didn't even get to show up. Megadeth, Ministry didn't play. Korn didn't play. Breaking Ben, I think Skillet might have been the last band to play. But, um, well, and as you know, the Blue Ridge disaster, I mean, I don't know, maybe some of these festivals <laughs> shouldn't be happening as often as they do. No, and honestly, you know, it's a bummer about Blue Ridge because... I would say out of all of the rock festivals, I mean, that was certainly probably the newest uh, big one. Um, but, I mean, they had crazier lineups than any of the the other festivals. It was, like, almost European, you know, with how great the lineups were. Um, and it's just, I mean, they came right out of the gate swinging, and they get these bands to reunite. 
And I mean, I, you know, I know what it is. I mean, they're, they're, they were offering stupid money for bands to, to come out and play, you know, but, but they would do, you know, album sets or, or uh, reunion sets or exclusive us performances or whatever. And, you know, that was something they were really aggressive about setting up was, you know, something exclusive. Um, and, you know, it was a great lineup, but every single year with Blue Ridge, I think it happened, I don't know, three, four years, whatever. I mean, there was there was a problem. This last time was a, a huge disaster. The year before, there was all sorts of uh, shuttle issues, I believe it was. Um, you know, so it, it's a bummer, but, you know, these things do take a lot of planning. And, and from what I heard about Blue Ridge, uh, they hired a crew that, had ne- that didn't have experience working on events like that. It was... Uh, they, the crew had done more like electronic, I think, uh, EDM type of stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's a totally different world and, and things just operate totally differently. Uh, so it's a bummer about what happened, but uh, you, you never know. We'll see if they uh, bring it back. Yeah, I, I definitely haven't had any ex- horrible experiences like that. I mean, some somewhat just minor inconveniences, but I really hope I don't have to... Uh experience anything like that i mean it's it really does sound like a disaster and plenty of people have expressed their uh their thoughts on on that festival and ho- hopefully it doesn't happen to some of these other ones i've never i've never been to blue ridge and i mean i'm sure it would have made it there eventually but um who knows like you said it might be the last year for them but um uh moving on a little bit about what this podcast is about uh anybody who's listening um we just wanted to give an introduction to who we are and why we're doing this, but, um, uh, and why I started this whole thing. But, uh, I, am a freelance, uh, touring crew member and have been since 2015. And I've worked with, uh, all sorts of bands from death metal and black metal to now active rock, which, so I've seen all, all sorts of different sides of this genre. And, uh, Logan has worked with, uh, many bands as well, mainly starting out with, I guess, metal bands and, uh, now is moving on to what R and B and hip hop at this point. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, on the uh, agent side of things, I don't tour. I just book the tours. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of R and B. Not so much hip hop. Maybe a little bit here and there. But um, yeah, it's a it, you know, but it's totally different. Totally different world. Just like we were saying about you know EDM versus rock festivals. I mean, even just doing these tours, it's it's a very very different beast than booking a a uh, rock or metal tour yeah but starting out you were doing what kind of bands were you doing in the beginning i know it was a lot of yeah what what band <laughs> what's that band that comes to mind uh with shifty <laughs> <laughs> shifty shell shock from crazy town oh cra- crazy Come town in. yeah um yeah no well that was yeah i mean that was a few years in i mean it really started out booking the first tour i ever booked um was uh this band called hammer fight and um which kind of had like a motorhead vibe it was like a co-headliner between hammer fight and product to hate which is funny because the tour we ended up calling the tour the uh hammer out the hate tour (laughs) but um anyways uh yeah well it started out as as um was working at napalm records now they have a european booking division um called napalm events that they were looking to bring over here and uh, because they had a lot of label bands that needed to be out on the road um but they were more like development type of acts they they really couldn't get an agent because they they didn't have a whole lot going on 
but they did, you know, the label wanted them to hit the road. So, um, that's really kind of how it started was, you know, just some, some smaller napalm bands. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy how much things have changed. I remember that, that first tour, like messaging, um, with one of the promoters and, and trying to figure out catering and, and she was like, yeah, I'm just going to make them a uh, big ZD. <laughs> you know? And it was just like a super like DIY type of thing. And, and there was no rider. There was no catering. There, there was nothing, you know, it's like, let's, let's find a, uh, the bands were, you know, finding couches to crash on, sleeping in the van, people making them food, whatever. Um, and, you know, obviously now as you, get bigger and bigger and and you know you start booking more i don't want to say real bands but you know bands that, where it, it, it's a career for them and it's it, it's a whole thing you know it's it's a totally different world but yeah i mean it started out with you know i mean napalm obviously is, is best known for super underground um a lot of european bands um you know super heavy stuff now it's a little bit more mainstream i think uh got napalm they got scott staff now on the label Alter Bridge, I think at one point, Smashing Pumpkins, or they almost had Smashing Pumpkins. I can't remember what happened, but um, yeah. Now it's we still have some metal bands, and then uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of hip hop and, and R and B and stuff, mostly R and B. Yeah, out of everything you said, I don't know why I, I just couldn't stop focusing on that big ZD because <laughs> it it reminds me of uh, Tracy Moody in uh, oh. Is in that Seattle? Yeah, in Seattle. Tracy Moody, man. Every time we we do a tour there, and I was tour managing, it's like, uh, um, he he would always offer. You know, he'd we'd talk about you know what we're gonna do for catering and everything. And uh, I mean, he would always try to turn us onto this lasagna. Oh, we we can make you guys lasagna for six dollars a six dollars a person or whatever. And I'd be like. Uh, you know, man, I think we're gonna do, go, do a buyout instead, and he'd just be like, uh, "All right," and he'd just get all bent out of shape about it. But it's like, I, the, <laughs> I, I know we did do the lasagna a couple times, but geez, it's just it's just so weird because it's just like you you go, and I, I mean, this is at a place called Studio Seven in Seattle, which has yeah. since been shut down, but um, you go. I remember when when he served the lasagna. It's like you go to the second floor. There's there. It's one of those places where you can't drink. Uh, the 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 drinking has to be separate from the non drinking crowd or whatever. So like, the drinkers had to be upstairs. But anyway, that's where we would eat the catering right before doors open. And it's like, it's ready. And it's like here comes just like two regular ass pans of of lasagna that look. I mean, it looks like your mom just made lasagna. And it's just like I I don't know. It's just. I, I guess I was always afraid that like these bands are going to be turned off by something like that. So I always tried my, my best to avoid it, but yeah, it was more cost effective, but uh, yeah, we would end up going with buyouts instead. It would cost a little bit more. He'd get a little bent out of shape, but I just feel like it was the way to go. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I look back on that and at the time, I, I think you might've told me the story before. Cause I, I, uh, I used to not even pronounce it right. Right. Cause my mom would make it growing up and she would say big zitty. Right. And how do you think about it? It sounds disgusting. You know, you think of like <laughs> popping a zit or some shit. But, uh, what's that? Well, I never even heard the word, uh, ziti until I, I don't know. It was just, there I, growing up, I didn't know what the hell that was, but yeah, it wasn't until I worked at Costco that I figured out what ZD was or how to pronounce it. 
yeah, it's a big city, but, but, um, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just, uh, it's crazy thinking back on that. And it's like, man, I would never be, you know, trying to figure that out. I mean, that, that's not even really my, you know, it's really left up to the, the tour manager to, uh, to figure all that stuff out with, you know, the hospitality specifics and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, things have changed quite a bit since then, but yes, I did book crazy town, uh, shell <laughs> shock, um, for, for, uh, quite a few years. Actually, uh, that was the last. That was the last show uh, that I had play out. The last artist I had play out before uh, COVID. The weekend COVID hit, we were doing uh, Hell and Heaven Fest in uh, Mexico, and uh, you know it was it was, it was weird. I, I can't remember the lineup. I want to say it was like it was fucking Man of War headlining um, one of the days, and I, I can't remember who. But it's it's really geared for metal bands you know man of war and i think Soulfly was on it uh ginger who both you and i have have plenty of history with that band um you know there was all, all sorts of bands like that and then crazy town and uh i don't know what it is man i mean they just fucking go ape shit for crazy town down there um like even it's and it's crazy to say right like crazy town yeah. who fucking cares but uh, <laughs> i don't know the money over there was um the money we we got for that show was like I, i'm not kidding you like four or five times higher than what they could get in their best market here uh in in north america so um yeah we we did that it was it was uh it was cool but i remember when that happened um it was like the weekend everything started shutting down and and i believe like over half of the bands canceled um you know flights were getting canceled uh, you know, this was like just right after the, um, I think it was maybe a few days after the NBA had announced that they were, uh, they were, I think it was the NBA. Yeah. They were done with the season for the year or whatever. Um, you know, shit got real bad, but the festival did happen and, uh, crazy town got bumped to the main stage that I think they ended up being direct support for, I forget who closed that day, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting working with, with crazy town. And of course, I also booked the tour where there was the whole um, moose incident, which somehow made it on fucking MSNBC and CNN and Fox news. I mean, every major news site and, uh, you know, cause they hit a moose in Canada and um, you know, they were pretty banged up. I saw them like two, three days after they kept the tour going, they finished out the tour. And I mean, they're all banged up, looking all fucked up. And um, supposedly the, the police or whatever up there told them that they were super lucky because out of the last uh, 12 or 13 um, moose-related accidents, uh, the, the crazy town accident was the only one with zero fatalities. Um, because what had happened was they hit the moose and the moose slid up. They were in a van. It slid up the hood and uh, you know, kicked in the, wind, uh, the windshield and what happens is people usually die because they get trampled because the moose is like, you know, trying to kick its, its legs to get out. And so a lot of people die, uh, from getting trampled to death. Oh, and wow. I guess the, and, and the moose, uh, generally, I, I think they, they survive in this case, the moose did not survive. And so it went up, it went into the hood, smashed the windshield. I think it kicked around a little bit, but then it ended up falling it's a really fucked up story but um the whole thing was like oh 
my god dude like i just i couldn't believe it man and and uh i mean it was like a big story for for a, a day or two and um yeah i mean I'm, I'm i'm thankful they all survived i feel bad for the moose but um you know it was uh, man what a fun, that crazy story man yeah i i remember that story circling around and getting a lot of shares and stuff like that and um <laughs> i didn't really think about the being trampled part but you got yeah that is true i i did almost hit one in a bandwagon once i was driving for wednesday 13 and uh this is canada and uh, i don't know it's like four in the morning and this moose is just walking across the freaking highway and it's like damn if i wouldn't been paying attention or if i would have been going i don't know 10 miles faster we could have been in the same situation and uh I don't know out there in Canada, who knows what would have happened. Um, but yeah, scary situation, man. Um, but on top of booking, which, uh, you go back and forth with, um, you hate it, you don't hate it. You want to do it. I mean, who knows <laughs> what your next plan is, but, uh, on top of that, you're doing YouTube and have been for quite some time now, uh, started out with, uh, I guess recently the crash report and now you're doing the Logan show, which is, uh, I guess probably more related uh closely to what you're doing but the crash report did have some some uh notable guests as well that were related to the music industry yeah i mean a, a majority of the uh the guests on the crash report um which wasn't really a, a music show like you said but yeah i mean that's just kind of the world that i come from and and so that's where it was the easiest to to pull guests from um you know so yeah i mean we did that during during uh covid and and it was cool, um, you know, but it was time to move on. And I, but I took, uh, it was like a year and a half break. Um, once we stopped doing that show, I didn't do anything um, on YouTube or anything for, for another year and a half. I, I didn't start uh, the channel until uh, I believe it was the fall of uh, 22. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's been, that's been going real good. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of interviews now, but it's, I mean, the primary focus is, I don't even know what you would say. I mean, just, I, I don't even really know. It's just uh, information, useless information about bands. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, some, some biographical type of videos, some, some discussion uh, based videos, you know, stuff like that. And then lately been doing a, a ton of interviews. So I started a second channel the other day just to put up all the interviews um, just put up one yesterday with uh, Nigel Glockler, who's the drummer of Saxon. I got one coming out uh, today with Joel Hoekstra from Whitesnake um, and, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I uh, got some other cool guests uh, coming up. And uh, yeah, so I, I do that and it's it's fun. But you know, it's interesting to me, um, the stuff with, with, with just me, where there is no guest, I'm not interviewing somebody, is generally the stuff that, that, does, that does well. And I think... There are so, you know, like we've talked about a million times, there's, there's so many interviews, um, you know, and a lot of these guys do, uh, you know, press junkets or press tours, whatever you want to call them. So it's like, there's this whole, I mean, I remember a couple of months ago, Blabbermouth, I mean, every, it was like every five minutes, there's a new article on Don Dockin because the guy did like a thousand interviews and it went on for like a month and a half. It's like every single day, Don Dockin said this, Don Dockin said that. And, uh, you know, so, but which is cool, you know, that he's doing all this stuff, but it, it does make it less uh, appealing for people to watch when 
these guys will go out and do 25 30 interviews and you know for the most part they're all the same and so once you've seen one or two it's like no matter how good your interview is that's like people have already seen it you know what i mean yeah that's a good point and and now that you you know are talking about how people are you know pulling quotes from these things it makes me wonder too and this is a little unrelated but related at the same time how like this random quote will come out from Corey taylor it's like Corey taylor said this and it's like how many interviews is Corey taylor doing or you know when was this quote pulled from it's just like i don't know it just seems like how is there always some quote from some person to to make a story about but i don't know if these people are are saving quotes or just bringing up old news or what but there's definitely always uh something to bring up well what's interesting too and and i i, I really do love blabbermouth i mean out of all of the um out of all the music sites i mean hands down i prefer blabbermouth over anything but you know sometimes it, it is like i mean they're, they're digging a little bit they're reaching for a story i mean i remember i saw a headline yesterday um uh, biff byford from saxon and the quote was something like i don't do vocal warm-ups i just sing or something like that and it's just like who cares i mean why right. would you even article about that you know what i mean yeah slow news day i guess is when you start seeing stuff like that and people will even call it out they'll they'll go to the comments and uh you know put it on metal injection or whatever be like ah oh, slow news day huh? why is this news and you know everyone's got an opinion but it is true it's like why is that even a quote but they'll make a story out of anything but yeah it's i like mean that interview the other day i told you where uh the the host asked the guest uh he goes how many of the new songs have you rehearsed yeah you know? like what why do you, why do you even want to know the answer to that question who cares yeah what are you gonna you do know? with that information <laughs> right exactly so get, get the answer and move on but um yeah I, mean, I will doing interviews and i'm sure if there's guests on here you'll you'll come to to figure this out i mean sometimes you got to put yourself through some real pain uh you know so there's some interviewers out there that are great and then there's some out there that are like whoa uh and it's <laughs> and it's punishing it is punishing to sit through i, I gotta be honest it's punishing that that's what i'm kind of worried about and yeah, you have way more experience with this than I do. Um, and you know that, which brings me to how and why this whole thing got started. I mean, uh, the original idea, um, came from, you know, uh, a guy named Rob, uh, Beltran who produced, uh, Shattered Sun's album and has been a longtime friend of mine, but he was the one that originally was like, why don't you start a YouTube channel and, and, you know, put this stuff on YouTube just in a random conversation. And it's what sparked the idea. But, I guess it was really you and seeing you do, I don't know how many things since I even had the idea that would kind of push me through to it. But uh, I mean, granted, I had this idea years ago, like I said, 2018, um, to do a YouTube channel. And it was a somewhat of an original idea at the time. And ever since then, I mean, there's been plenty of people who have done YouTube stuff now for touring related content. And then on top of that, um, the podcast thing came around and I was like, yeah, I guess maybe we should do a podcast. And then of course COVID happened. And then I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying COVID. Everyone calls it the C word, but whatever. But, um, you know, th that I've, time I've, say it again. I've never had an issue. 
Uh, okay, yeah. So so that comes around, and then uh, like as you know, I mean, everybody had a podcast, and it's like some of them stuck around, some of them stuck around, some of them didn't. Some people was like, well, I'm just bored. I'm gonna do this, but it was kind of like, man, I mean, everything's just kind of, uh, I don't know, just happened so fast. I mean, it's been well, like six years now, and we're getting the first episode done of a podcast that was supposed to be at least four years ago, you know, it, it was pre definitely before COVID happened that, um, you know, that, uh, I had this idea, but I don't know, just couldn't get it together. But, uh, here we are now. And I was like, you know, if it's going to happen, this it's got to happen now, or I've just got to give up. Cause it's just been, uh, too many things holding me back, whether it be, you know, where I didn't have the place to record it. It didn't have the money to buy this or that. I, I kind of always had some excuse, but, um, uh, you know, uh, here we are recording the first episode of the podcast, at least. But uh, there's still plenty more to come on the on the YouTube channel. But yeah, it's really you who has been heavily into YouTube for years now. Like I said, I've seen you do the Crash Report and then switch to the Logan Show and done everything in between. And it's like, I mean, I couldn't even get one episode out of anything, and you've done <laughs> I don't know how many different things at this point. Well, what's what's interesting is that Stephen and I just talked on the phone as recently as last night, and there was no talk of 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 really anything. And then all of a sudden this morning, it's hey, you want to do an episode today? And I'm like, fuck me, man, let's go, let's fucking do this shit. Yeah, I I don't know what it was. I I think uh, I just had. Well, I felt. I mean, everybody knows I'm a night owl, and I, I stay up till ridiculous hours like five in the morning is like the absolute earliest i'll stay up but every now and then it'll catch up with me and uh i'll end up crashing out at a a decent hour so last night i laid down and fell asleep like 11 o'clock woke up around four in the morning and i had just been up ever since and i was like you know if this is going to happen it's if i'm just going to keep pushing it off i got plans this week i got plans next week granted they're not big plans but they're still plans (laughs) but i mean Um, yeah I, I mean i just always i just always have an excuse you know whether it be my my girlfriend's home and i don't want to do it in front of her or whatever the case may be so i was like you know what i got time today i i've got enough sleep uh well i thought i had i mean i i did take a little nap because i was exhausted but yeah i was like you know i just got to get it done and i've been listening to a lot of josta and anybody who's listening to this and and doesn't know who josta is i mean uh jamie josta that is he's just one of the main reasons I'm doing this, I mean, the guy's just an inspiration, as lame as that sounds. I don't know. The guy just keeps it going, man. He's uh, one of the original podcasters for anything metal and this whole genre related and has been doing it for like seven years now, has had like over 600 episodes. And then he has a, a Patreon where I, uh, you pay an extra five bucks, anywhere from five to $20, and you get an extra like two or three episodes a week. And it's like, how does this guy's head not explode? He's also... Uh, he bought uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest, and he talks a lot about the behind the scenes of Milwaukee Metal Fest and how you know they're trying to get this band and that band and what happened. And uh, the guy really just is is keeping it alive. And uh, I've been listening to a lot of him lately, and it's just kind of I don't know, it made me want to do an episode. And uh, I see a lot of other people putting stuff out, and I'm kind of just like, I, I want to do that. And it's at, the, at the same time, it's like, well, why? am I not doing that? And it's just really me. That's just kind of holding myself back. Well, believe it or not, Steven was actually not paid to plug Joss's, uh, Patreon there, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 
No, the other thing too, I, I'll say about Josta is, I mean, he's got to be like the nicest fucking guy ever. I remember being at uh, Warp Tour a few years ago. I think it was the last the last time they did uh, Warp Tour as a full full thing, and uh, uh, Josta came up to me. Um, we were both like in the in the bus parking lot area, and um, Josta came up to me because I, I was talking to to Kevin Lyman who. Uh, is the guy responsible for Warp Tour, and and here comes Josta. I think he had to say something to to Kevin. And he looks at me and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm Jamie." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I know who the fuck you are." <laughs> you know, like, hey, he's just a cool guy, man, and super like unassuming and and humble. And I've met him two or three times, and uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's a great guy. I, I like his show. I've not heard it in in a uh, a very long time, but uh, no, he's had some some great guests on there and some great stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how he's still going after seven years of doing podcasting, and on top of that, like nearly thirty years of being in the music industry. But man, that guy's just like I said, he just keeps it going, man. He's always um, just thinking outside the box, thinking of how can we make things better. You know, what are some ideas that no one's done? And he he's just always pitching ideas to guests that he's got, and he's really the the one that makes me want to do this. Um, more than anybody but um yeah it's well worth the five dollars and like you said this was a kind of a free plug for him he obviously he didn't uh have any part in doing that but he really is like one of the guys i listen to the most but um that's kind of uh you know like i was saying about what you're supposed to expect from this channel is it's uh you know i got a youtube channel instagram TikTok, all that kind of stuff um I just recently built a website it's supposed to be everything you know behind the scenes and what it's like to tour uh, eventually, you know, I'm hoping to get some tour vlogs going. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that website, I mean, took forever to build, but I mean, like I said, it's been a lot of preparation for this and finally it's coming together. Um, the website is take me on tour.com. If you want to see, if you want to check that out and see what I've got going on there, it took weeks to build that thing, but it looks pretty good. And, uh, I'm still posting on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube, um, hoping to get some more stuff out there as well. But, uh, it's slows slowly starting to come together. Yeah, it's been a while since I've I've seen you upload anything on the the channel, but hopefully now that uh, this thing's going, there'll be a lot more coming. And I, you know, I got to say, because uh, I, I I don't know why Stephen fucks around. I mean, he's had a video for like years now that is so good that now it would be it would probably be pointless to put it out. But fuck, man, that 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 graveyard video is so good. Uh, it was like documentary style. I think you were interviewing the guitar tech or something. And uh, it's a real shame that, that uh, it never got put out. So hopefully, uh, hopefully moving forward, there'll be constant uh, output on the, on this channel, both, well, both channels or whatever. Yeah, it's like um, at this point, anything I put out is outdated. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sitting on so much stuff that like, I don't know what to do with. I mean, I've got... The video that you're referring to was, yeah, it was uh, a buddy of mine, Al Function, who works for um, Clutch, and he was uh, our guitar tech when I was uh, working with Graveyard, supporting Opeth, and same thing. I'm, I'm sitting there in the bus, and I'm like, man, I really want to get this this YouTube thing going, and I was like, but I just don't, nobody ever wants to do it. I'm nervous, and he's like, why don't we do it? And then what's funny is, like, we go do it, and he just starts to lock up, and he's like, he can't do it, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, this was this was your idea. I mean, I like, I'm not gonna give you a hard time, but I was like, come on, man, it's like you, you, 
you were like, let's get this thing going. And then he, he just freaked. I mean, he kind of froze a little bit and I was just like, I had to kind of talk him through it. And I mean, yeah, granted, if I put that thing out, it's four years old at this point that happened in that was the last tour before COVID happened. It was January of 2020 and 2024 we're January, 2024. And it's still not out. <laughs> probably february by the time this thing comes out yeah exactly but uh yeah i mean i i just i have so many ideas in my head and um i i just i i can't put them out there it's like they're in my head i can envision it but i sit down and it's like sitting on a pile of just so much good stuff and you don't know where to start i mean i've got drum cam videos of of uh you know nick hughes from bush i've got you know uh, star set videos, drum cam videos from them. I've got, you know, hours and hours of footage from all sorts of tours, but it's like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, drum at this cam point. video really outdated though. I mean, yeah, maybe the tour was a few years ago, but I mean, at the end of the day, who, you know, it, it's not like it, it's not like the date is relevant to anything. Right. True. So, I mean, for drum cam videos and stuff like that, I, I could easily put them out and they would still do all, all right but it's just kind of weird when you put out a video and it's like are they on tour right now and i don't know it's just kind of weird in that sense but um more so like the tour footage like let's say uh, you know i i have hours and hours of blue october footage from when i was touring with them and this is 2021 it's like what's the point of doing a, a tour vlog a day-to-day -day vlog which i mean i guess i could still do but it's like oh yeah we're in this video we're celebrating thanksgiving 2021 you know <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it does get hard to, it's like, damn, do I want to waste this footage or do I want to use it as reference footage? It's just a lot to, um, you know, to digest, but I, I figured in this first episode, you know, we would talk a little bit about, you know, what we do in the industry and why we can be somewhat of a reliable source, as you could say. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, that, that's what I do. I'm a freelance touring. I used to be a tour manager and now I'm, a I guess you could say a merch manager. Logan's a, a booking agent. Like he was saying, um, he, he, he books the bands, which is a, a completely different side of things. He works from home and, uh, um, I, while well, I work out on the road, but, um, we'll get into, uh, you know, more so how these parts work, uh, work together. But, um, the first time I met Logan was 2016. I was about a year into touring when I got this gig from Roger, who we both know for, different reasons uh we both know who roger is but um yeah he, he called me i was about a year into touring i had never uh never toured outside of touring with my friends who would be shattered son who you know who started who i started touring with and where i got you know the experience from but he calls me and he's like i got this gig for you man and i'm just like what is it and he's like it's american head charge and i'm just like damn, that's like one of my favorite bands ever, but it sounds like a complete shit show. And that was an understatement. It was by far one of the worst tours I've ever, probably the worst tour I've ever done to this day. And I honestly can't believe I, I made it through, but, um, you, Logan was a promoter for the, uh, was it Columbus? Toledo. Oh, Toledo. Holy Toledo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of when I think of Toledo. But, yeah, I mean, it was a god-awful run. Um, I actually it's have funny. a... I don't know what only Toledo means. I, you don't know what it means? No, I've never heard it. What is that? It's just like, you know... Have, have you ever heard that? No. What? 
<laughs> holy Toledo? Maybe it's just a buddy of mine that says it then. It just means like, holy crap. I mean, like, holy Toledo. Oh, <laughs> all right. It was like a movie quote or something. No, maybe it's just a buddy of mine who's an idiot that that came up with that. I, I just always thought it was a thing, but it just means like, holy crap. It's like, a, I guess, a kid's version of saying holy crap or whatever. But uh, uh, to give people an idea, I mean, this is the the vehicle we were touring in. I don't know if you remember seeing this. Do you, does this look familiar? Of course it does. Jesus Christ. Uh, for anybody watching on YouTube, we're looking at a Paracorp shuttle, which is basically a... Uh, it's a yeah, shuttle. A bus or something. Yeah, I mean, this is like a mini bus. I, I think it's like a hospital something, but if you... I mean, it's a, it's a it's a short bus. I mean, it's it's it looks like it has like a wheelchair access thing very on the back. Very what? It's very fitting for you that it's a short bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, very fitting for the tour, uh, more so. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then if you look, this is uh. So this is this next photo is the inside. There. Oh my god. Yeah, this wow. is the. I don't know if you've ever seen these photos, but this spot right here on the right if you're looking at this photo the right side next to that right window that's furthest uh passenger side that's where i slept on those two uh your pillow <laughs> what was that the window was your pillow yeah dude i i would bundle my jacket up and uh put it against this window and just my head would rattle a little bit less if i had the jacket <laughs> oh my god yeah so this is wow. the inside i mean um uh, those those two seats on the right, far far right, were mine. Right in front of me, facing the opposite direction, was Ted. Uh, to the left of me was Karma, and uh, who played guitar. And the, I guess the other seats were kind of just random people. And then in the back, um, there are two bunks, but as you can see, the top one is like insanely high. So I mean, only certain people can go up there. Oh, dude, like. My God, or if you, the, the fucking driver like slammed on the brakes or, or hit a patch of ice, I mean, you'd fly right off. <laughs> yeah, these these are not, for anybody like that's that can see this, this is not how bunks are, are, are set up. This is not an ideal bunk setup. Bu bunks are not horizontal. You're right. If you hit the brakes, I mean, you're, you're rolling right off, especially if you're asleep. But uh, in, in, a, in a bus, uh, bunks are, uh, what would you say, parallel, I guess, to the shape of the bus and... Um, this is just not a thing, but yeah, so this is the rest of the bus. If you weren't lucky enough to be in one of these bunks or some people would use the floor that's right in front of the, the bunks there, but yeah, everyone was sleeping, uh, sitting, sitting straight up, leaning against a window or you're laying down across two seats, but this was six weeks worth of doing this. And it was, it was not easy by any means. Wow. Yeah. That'd be rough to, uh. That'd be rough to stay in for that long. That whole tour, though, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. American Head Charge is a great band, but I, I know that tour did not perform well. And I believe that was their that was their final tour, right? I don't think it was billed that way, but that was their last tour. Right. I think they did another tour in Europe some years later with half the members missing. And uh, Chad Hanks, who played uh, bass, has since passed away probably a couple years after that. So... That band, you know, they never really had an exit, but everyone knows they're pretty much done. There's really no chance of them uh, doing any shows. But, yeah, Logan was a promoter for that show, and I remember 
we pull up to the venue, I go inside and I'm just like trying to, I'm trying to call a promoter and I see this guy walking up he's like, did you just call me? And I'm like, is this the promoter? And you, I was like, oh yeah, I guess. And then that's the first time I met you. And I, you may not, you, you claim to know, to not remember, but I don't, there was something with catering that you tried to like cheat us on catering. And I remember telling you like, <laughs> I, I don't. Do you remember this or no? Or I don't. What do you remember from that? What do I remember from that? I I remember that the show was horrible and I lost a bunch of money. Uh, but uh, no, I I remember there was um, I, I maybe I remember some sort of catering issue, but I I can't imagine that I was trying to pull one over on you. I I I, I really not a shysty guy. I, but I don't. At the same time, I was probably uh, it was probably going to be an abysmal loss. I'm, I'm sure my dumbass back then was probably way overpaying for the show. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a rough one all around. Yeah. You probably were overpaying and probably losing money and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you were trying not to give us catering, but I, I do remember like trying to compromise with you and being like, well, let, let's just make it easier. Let's just do pizzas. And I mean, it was like, I don't know, like, two, three pizzas for head charge and then two, three pizzas for motor grader. And we just called it a day. And then, uh, Ted, who was like lactose intolerant or something like that, we had to order him a separate sandwich just to, to satisfy, <laughs> satisfy him. But I remember that being, uh, the bulk of it. But I remember also I was, uh, I was not really an LD, but I was doing lights on that tour. And, um, I remember I was like, dude, this what's up with this board? You got a house LD or anything? Where are they at? And you were like, oh, I'll see if I can get somebody. And I was like, this guy ain't bringing me nobody. And uh, yeah, eventually you were just like, yeah, there's 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 nobody that can uh, that can help. I was like, oh, great. I'm just gonna press buttons until something looks cool, and that's kind of what I did. And it was like, I was like 17 people there probably, if that. And I, you know, I remember. The venue I don't think is there anymore, and it did not last long at all. And it was just, it was way too big um, for that show specifically. Um, it was, it was huge. Um, it, and if I recall, they had like a, um, I don't really know if balcony is the right word, but I mean, it was kind of like a, a balcony, but more of like a sort of like a, a walkway. They kind of went around the perimeter of the building too. So I, I think you could be like up top, but I don't know if you'd really call it a balcony, but it was this big, big place. And um, yeah, at the time, you know, I mean, I just, yeah, it was way in over my head. And I'm like, there was a, a, um, a fairly sizable Toledo company that was doing a lot of shows and then they went away. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'll try it. And I, I think that was the only show I did up there. And um, yeah, I did not. Yeah, it was not a great time. And and back in those days, I mean, I think that show, if I recall, it was the day after my 21st birthday. Um, so, you know, I was still, I mean, pretty young and, and you know, being a fucking jackass, a jack wagon, as you might say. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a rough show. Probably shouldn't have happened. But, but hey, I got to meet you, buddy. So it's all good. <laughs> Right. And yeah, I don't think there was a, well, actually there was one good show on that, on that tour, but it was, uh, their hometown show in Minneapolis was Jesus. I mean, I don't know, a thousand people or something there, but I mean, that was the last show of the tour, but every other show we did was, 
I mean, 10 to 30 people at that. I mean, as you know, there was shows where, what's that place in New York? It was Rochester, New York, uh, Rochester Music Hall or whatever. That's the one I told you that I was just like, this oh, is... Uh, Montage Music Hall, I think. There yeah. you go, Montage Music Hall. Yeah, and I was just like, this is the most painful thing I've ever been through. Guys, why don't you just go ahead and uh, let's uh, cut a few songs. Let's make this next one your last one. And it was kind of just like, yeah, you're probably right. Because it was just, you could hear, it was just the most awkward silence in between songs. So not a good tour by any means whatsoever. Um, and I can't believe I made it through. We canceled a few shows. Um, worst tour I've ever done. And uh, I can't believe I made it through. But you're right. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, wouldn't have met you. And who who knows? I don't know. One one thing could change the whole trajectory of how things happen. And I like I've said before, and I really don't know, but I I don't know why something stuck out that you decided to call me when random uh, tours would come up, like uh, when that band was it Slaughter or whatever or Onslaught or I wish it was Slaughter. Uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, it was Onslaught. Onslaught. Um, there you go. Yeah, and the tour didn't tour didn't end up working out, but um, so it never happened. And honestly, I don't think they've been here. Uh, that was back in in uh, yeah, seventeen, eighteen, something like that. I met you in sixteen. I remember that. And the onslaught thing. Uh, well, I, I I met you actually. It was just a couple months after you, as I started doing the uh, when I met you, I started doing the uh, agent thing. But yeah, the onslaught thing was probably um, seventeen, and then uh, yeah, we I was booking Ginger. Um, uh and it was their first ever tour of america which uh, i mean that's a whole that's a whole saga but uh yeah we needed a tour manager for that and i i don't know what it was you know i had worked with a lot of tour managers as a promoter and um for the most part really all except for like one guy uh everybody else was like super fucking cool there was one guy that was such a fucking prick um but everybody was cool but yeah i don't know what it was i just uh I guess I felt a connection to you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I, maybe I, I didn't mention this earlier, but, um, you know, it, for anyone getting it confused, Logan's a booking agent now, but was a promoter at the time, which a promoter, for anybody that doesn't know, is the person who basically buys the show, puts on, you know, promotes the show, and they put their money up to basically try to make money off the show but like that's why we're saying that logan probably lost his ass because he probably paid a lot for the show and didn't make anything back in ticket sales but yeah i don't know for some reason you know he wasn't a booking agent at the time but um yeah i don't know why you like like i said i don't know why you'd call me but it, it kind of just led to like i mean really what we're doing today but um yeah ginger was the next thing you called me for that actually did happen and um, that's when they were managed by Dez, which they're no longer with. But I remember you, I, I don't know how much we had, how much, how much talking we had done, but you were booking Ginger at the time and you called me and they were like, they need a, they're looking for a crew guy. And then I was like, you were like, they're managed by Dez. And I mean, I just love Cold Chamber. And uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm in. I had just finished a tour with Belfagor, I think. And uh, they were, uh, Ginger was supporting Cradle of Filth. And I remember I, I, had this discussion with Dez and I was like, well, what, what positions do you need? And they were like, we need a, somebody to do like driving tour managing LD. I was like, dude, I mean, how many positions do you need covered here? 
but I mean, I, I was dumb enough to take on two of them. I mean, I was I was driving and tour managing a bandwagon. And those of you who don't know, a bandwagon is basically an RV, um, but it's a company in the U.S. that you can rent if you can't afford a bus and you don't want to be in a van. You can rent a bandwagon and and tour like that. It's got you know eight bunks or whatever. It's got a driver cab. It's you know it's this huge RV. So I'm trying. Yeah, they have a bigger one too. They have a bigger one. Is that what you said? Yeah, they got the one that's like uh, seven, seven or eight bunks or whatever. And then I believe they have uh, not like a nine or I think it's like seven and nine. I think is what they have now. Yeah, they they always they've had like one that it's like a big bunk and you can convert it into two bunks. But I don't know. I haven't driven or been in a bandwagon in a few years now. Thankfully, I mean, so many people complain about those things. I don't think they're that bad. I mean, people say you're, you're, you're riding in a box truck and I, I, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I sleep through anything, but I don't, I don't think they're that bad, but I mean, I'm, I'm driving this bandwagon through the entire country th- for some reason, thinking that I can tour manage and sleep in my spare time, 20 minutes here or there, an hour here or there, and, and somehow managed to get to the next city. And it got so bad that I had to call Rob dog, who we were talking about earlier, who works for Coet. So I had to call him out to help me drive and thankfully he came out because we were paying him like three hundred dollars a week maybe not even it might have been two hundred <laughs> yeah he's, he's also got the best uh instagram handle of all time i think what, what is it i don't even remember it's uh rob dogging it <laughs> oh right. wait i just realized wow i just realized the the yeah i get it now i've i've never Wow, I've never really thought about that. That is that is pretty awesome. Um, it's supposed to be like raw dogging it. Yeah, yeah. I, you just I, now got. Yeah, I had no idea this this whole time. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty clever. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna see him this week, and I'm gonna have to give him some points for that one, even though he's had it for like a few years. But um, <laughs> we, we had we had a good time. Uh, once he came out and. Um, he helped me drive, you know, across the country. I mean, everything on that thing was just a pain in the ass. I mean, we drove, I remember once we dropped the band off, it was like a 40 hour drive back to bandwagon. And I mean, we nearly missed our flights and it was, it was ridiculous. But I mean, you and, uh, this is a tour where you and Cody came out and traveled all your, all your way to New York and Detroit, or I don't remember where else you came from. Where was, what was the shows you hit? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did New York. We did Detroit. And we did uh, Joliet, which is like a, a suburb of Chicago. Right. So yeah, I mean, you came out. I, I don't know why. Why did you come out to these shows? Are you just bored and felt like doing something? I mean, obviously, it's to meet the band, but most people would kind of just see one show, whichever is close to them. Yeah, we did uh, uh, New York, Detroit, and and, and uh, Joliet, and um, yeah, you know that band. Um, before we got that Cradle of Filth tour, I had been attempting to book it, and there was just a real lack of interest, and they didn't really take off. I, I had heard uh, something about them. A, a buddy of mine, um, he, since uh, he died a couple years ago, actually, but um, he's the one that introduced me to him, and then you know I ended up uh, picking him up. As like I said at the beginning of the show, working through Napalm, and that's that's uh, to this day that's where the band. Uh, it's the label the band is still signed to but anyways um they didn't really blow up until that uh pisces uh video came out and then you know all the youtubers 
started doing reactions and it, it just became this this whole thing like oh my god I, I can't believe a female is doing that you know what i mean like that's that's where all the excitement came from but you know it became pretty clear once that tour started um that it was going to be like a big thing uh and I, I i believe if i recall um on some of the shows they were outselling uh cradle of filth and merch and i remember even the one show um danny filth the the uh, frontman for uh cradle was sick i think it was in baltimore um and he was sick and so they canceled but ginger still played and you know it turned into like a free show or whatever so i guess people you know they already made plans to go to a show or whatever but still like four or five hundred people showed up for a band that they had never seen before and you know i remember seeing them in, in joliet and and it was a sold out show and seeing 900 people singing their songs and you know so once it became clear that it was like uh wow this band is is really probably going to turn into something then it was like well yeah i need to you know i do want to go to all these shows as many as i can uh because you know it, i mean you don't want to lose the band you don't want to get fired um which is ultimately what ended up happening um you know but uh yeah i mean it's it's really you know to develop that face-to-face -face relationship with the client um you know and 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 to show that that you want to be there um you you know and, and that you're supportive of what they're doing and and um you know it was a great time plus you know in new york especially you got to get out and, and meet some of the napalm people and we went to um uh, some bar um before um before the show in new york and it was myself and, and cody the alcoholic uh and then um you know some of the guys from the from the label uh i should say some of the, the team from the label and then um i think the publicist uh was there and and uh yeah, it was, it was a whole thing and yeah, it was great. And, um, you know, not to mention there was another agent, uh, at the show in New York who was unrelated to both ginger and cradle of filth. Um, so you can imagine why, why that guy was there. Um, you know, so sometimes you, you also want to go to, uh, you know, have some sort of, um, defense, you know, but, uh, ultimately I did end up losing that band. Not at that time. It was, down the road um they you know they they uh moved on and, and now they've since moved on from that guy too um but uh yeah it's it's really is remarkable how huge that band has become yeah and you're right they they did um they they were outselling them in merch in a lot of these shows and they that was kind of the start of of uh you know what what that band has just become i mean they just recently opened for or they they supported yeah they opened for Disturbed on the tour we did uh, just you know six months ago or so and they've just become a massive band where they're headlining over you know bands like Suicide Silence and stuff like that so that band really is um, uh, I mean they're just massive now and that was their first tour ever in the U S had never been over here and now they're a massively known band and it is a good memory that you have that it was Baltimore where Cradle had to cancel Danny Filth his voice was. Uh, not in good shape and they still played to a packed house um so yeah that, that band's come a long way and um it definitely was a little awkward uh touring with them you know with disturbed because um things didn't really go so well on that tour and things didn't really end 
on a great note, but things are fine now. And we, we talked and we, you know, shared some memories about the tour and, uh, you know, I don't hold anything, hold anything against them. That might be one of the only bands that I've ever worked for that, that didn't ask me to come back though. Um, so, which is <laughs> interesting to say, you know, but we just didn't get along. We just, uh, I mean, I, I don't think they understood the demands of what I was trying to do versus what their expectations were. And it just kind of, uh, turned into something that, uh, it just didn't end well, you know, and I, I don't, I think we all understand that. I think, uh, you know, Des wanted me back and wanted me to keep working with them, but they just, uh, they, they just, it, it was probably best that we didn't, uh, but everything's all good now. Yeah. Well, I, I saw them, I saw them live a couple times last year, one, once on that disturbed tour, but then I, I saw them in person, um, at that disturbed show as well at the at the after party and then hanging out with you and stuff and you know i mean yeah i, I didn't go up to him i didn't talk to him um it's funny because i i don't think they saw that i was at the after party especially ramon and, and eugene uh from the band the guitar player and the bass player were there and uh they didn't see me and i i, I do get a little reserved and i'm i'm i am kind of shy so i i won't necessarily go up to somebody um if I, you know, if it was somebody I was like super tight with maybe, but somebody I'm just kind of acquainted with, I wouldn't go up to, but I saw them there. And then I saw them like a month later, they, uh, one of, one of the bands that I book, uh, monuments, uh, from the UK, we went out and, uh, supported them, um, last fall, about a, a month after that disturbed tour rap, it was a lot of, uh, Canada shows and, and, uh, some, smaller uh, u.s markets and we did like billings and spokane and uh harrisburg pennsylvania and, and shit like that which is the show that i went to uh i remember it was on 9 11 actually um and you know I, I i saw them um just kind of in passing but yeah you know i wanted to thank them for for putting monuments on the tour but yeah you know i guess at the end of the day it, it was cool to uh it was cool to be a part of of uh of that, you know, when it was, it was first happening and it was cool to be the first guy that, that brought them over here. Um, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really do owe a lot to cradle of filth because I can tell you, you know, this is years ago now, so it don't matter, but, you know, submitted them for a lot of different tours, uh, before we, we got the cradle tour and, you know, it's tough because it's, it's sort of it's a weird thing with, with, uh, European bands, because when you haven't been over here before, you don't have much of a footprint. Uh, you're not going to get much money. And it's, you know, as, as I mean, common sense tells you it's very expensive to tour over here, especially when you got into, uh, to take into account the fact that you got to get visas, uh, which are not cheap. And, you know, by the time you get the visas and you get the flights, um, and, and all that kind of stuff, it quickly, you know, becomes very, very, very expensive and nobody really has big support budgets, especially in the metal world. And most bands certainly don't want to take a shot on a band that has never been here. They have no, uh, hard ticket history. There's no numbers to really go off of. Um, you know, especially because, you know, Spotify numbers and all that kind of shit it means, you know, it's, it's not everything, you know, and in, in some, some cases it might mean a lot, a whole lot of weight, but not in, not in every case. And, you know, that band had never been here and there was, 
there was just i think everybody liked the band but you know there was a lack of interest in, in bringing them out um you know and and uh it luckily it all worked out with cradle of filth and and you know the band i think got paid fair money um for what it was and it, and it turned out to be a you know fair and and um yeah so it all worked out and it was cool to be a part of that you know yeah i agree i mean that is a cool thing to like you said be one of the first or be the first to to bring them to the to the u.s and that, that's kind of how i felt too you know whenever i was tour managing them it was like it was cool to say that i was tour managing their first u.s tour ever uh, i think we both knew that they were going to be a pretty massive band and like you said with all the reaction videos and all that that's exactly what ended up happening um and um yeah i mean after that i mean i continued to work with more of dez's bands which uh you know i did a, a few tours with wednesday 13 who you know for other reasons too i mean <laughs> i think you uh as a promoter put on a couple of shows which i think uh wednesday might still be a little be a little bitter about one of the shows that you canceled <laughs> Yeah, I think he's a little salty, um, you know, but uh, I, I will say, regardless, uh, extremely, extremely underrated uh, band. I mean, just extremely underrated. And, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously he got his start in, in Murder Dolls, not to go off on a whole Wednesday tangent here, but, you know, getting his start with Murder Dolls, Joey Jordison's, uh, you know, side project. And you'd think, I mean, that band was already like underground enough. I mean, it didn't matter that Joey was in Slipknot. It was, that band is, I mean, it's it's a very niche thing, you know. And and it's it's a horror themed band, you know. It's it's really not for that many people. And for him, for Wednesday uh, to be able to carve out a solo career, um, you know, and it's still all of it is still very under the radar. And it's you know we're talking what two three hundred tickets or whatever maybe but just incredibly underrated and and you know there's so many people that they get compared to alice cooper and things like that and uh to me wednesday 13 is really the guy that carries that torch and and everything that he sings about is real he's singing about you know old horror movies and shit like that but that's what he's into and that that that's him you know it's all 100% legit and organic and and uh goddamn that guy's just put out some some uh, incredible incredible stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Wednesday's show is completely underrated. I think um he's completely underrated. Um I I do I, I as we've had this discussion before, I I do feel like he should have been bigger. I I don't know. I think maybe he missed his mark. I don't know what it is, but um phenomenal performance just great ideas. You know, I, I think he could have been and should have been something to the level of Alice Cooper. You know, he should at least be headlining theaters and he's got great ideas and it, it just sucks, you know, um, that, you know, he, he can't, he, he can pack some houses for sure, you know, in these club levels and, uh, that recent tour he did with murder, you know, doing the murder dolls thing really did really well for him, you know, but, um, I, I, I always wished he would be, you know, playing some big stages supporting Rob Zombie or something. And I don't know, maybe there's still a chance that something like that will happen. But, um, you know, it, it is unfortunate too with Joey Jordison's passing and everything as well. Um, you know, on that tour we did with them, one of the last ones, I remember we were 15 minutes away from Joey Jordison's house and I wanted nothing more than to go, you know, hang out with them. But it just, it was a very, uh, 
touchy thing at the time, very sensitive subject. And like they were going to meet him for the first time in I don't know how many years. And it was supposed to be the talks of, you know, possibly doing a reunion. They even shared that photo on on socials. And then Joey passes away. I don't know how many years later, but of course, the, uh, you know, reunion never got to happen. But it sucks because uh, not only did we lose Joey from Slipknot years ago, but then for Murder Dolls, and I, I think I'm, I can only imagine Wednesday was completely crushed as well. And um, obviously, he's paying tribute to the whole thing right now. Well, and you know, people really dug Murder Dolls. I mean, you know, I was I was a little too young uh, when they first came out. I think the the first record uh, um, uh, in the Beyond the Valley of Mur uh, the Murder Dolls was '01 or '03 or something like that. And, uh, but I, I actually, I, I remember reading about the band and um, I don't, I don't, I didn't even subscribe, but somehow I had a copy of revolver. Um, and there was, uh, there was some article in there that, that Nikki six had written and um, he brought him up and I'm like, wow, oh, murder dolls. That's a fucking cool band name. And then I, I went out and bought um, their second record, women and children last, which to this day is still like top 10 albums for me i love that album and uh yeah it's you know so i mean people were definitely into that band and and uh it, it's a shame and you know just just uh yeah or a two, monday that freaks on parade 2024 tour uh got announced with rob zombie and alice cooper and you know nothing ministry is obviously a great fit for that they're on it too and, and nothing against filter um but i mean Fuck man, fuck filter. Wednesday thirteen all the way, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how. I, I don't know how. I, 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 it is baffling how he doesn't end up on. I mean, that is the ideal, perfect tour to have Wednesday thirteen open. I mean, Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, and fucking Ministry, and you decide to stick goddamn filter on there. I mean, it's cool. I like filter. It's not even a a thing against them, but. It's like the tour is called Freaks on Parade. You know what I mean? Put fucking Wednesday 13 <laughs> on there. Yeah, you Filter know, don't with... have any freaks in their band. <laughs> no. And, uh, and you know, well, depending on maybe if you ask a, a former band uh, band member, maybe they do. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, same with that, um, uh, the the uh, Mudbane uh, what, psychotherapy sessions or whatever the fuck. Right. Last year with, with, with Cole Chamber. You know, I mean that that would have been another perfect, perfect tour uh, for Wednesday, especially you know if they're concerned about ticket sales or whatever. Especially if if they could have got him, which I'm sure he would have uh, done a, a murder doll set, you know, and and maybe sprinkle in a couple of his of his solo songs. But um, yeah, no. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to get on a whole tangent here, but yeah, highly, highly underrated artist. No, I agree, and and we've talked about that many times, and and could go on and on about how how good of a show he has and, and his, not to mention his band members and, and he himself are out of all the bands I've worked with top three nicest people I've, I've ever worked with. Um, I do wish, uh, you know, Wednesday, you know, still gets one of those tours eventually. Um, I, I don't know how much time he has left, but you're right. Those two tours that did happen would be absolutely ideal, especially the one coming up with Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. I mean, you're right. I mean, they should definitely be there instead of filter. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. But those are um, a couple of the bands that really got things going between you and I. And 
you know, um, we joke around, we joke around about it a lot here and there, but I mean, uh, you, you've somewhat basically helped, you know, guide me through my entire career, more or less, you know, every time I would get an offer, I'd, I'd usually call you and be like, I got this offer, man, what do you think? And you'd kind of be like, you got to do it. I mean, that's like one of the biggest bands out there, or you're not realizing how big of a tour that is. And, you know, um, like I said, uh, you've been there. I think you've only missed two tours that um, I did before I actually knew you. Granted, you know, I met you on the Head Charge tour. I had only done two shores, two tours with Shattered Sun before that. And then we didn't really get talking until maybe, you know, like 17 or 18. But still, I mean, the bulk of the career, once things really got going, um, you've been there at least uh, to, to tell me what I should and shouldn't do more or less. Of course, I, I knew the answers, but I would always double check, you know, you being the agent and knowing numbers and stuff like that. I would always call and, and see what your opinion was on the tours that I was being offered. Well, and, and uh, the shattered something is, is kind of funny because I ended up um, booking shattered sun after I had known you. And I remember talking to you about it. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's just, it, you know, everything sort of ties in together, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been cool, man. I mean, uh doing you know american head charge to now doing uh fucking you know breaking benjamin and, and sheds and arenas and stuff like that it was it was cool to uh much like journey it was just cool to, or uh, with journey much like ginger it was cool to watch your journey um <laughs> of, uh, you know just going from that uh you know i mean that's uh that american head charge thing was pretty small i mean would you say 10 to 30 people and now it's you know, 10, 15,000 people, uh, for the most part. So, well, yeah, that does bring me, you know, to my next point is that, uh, you know, working for breaking Benjamin, I'm not even sure I'd, I, I really don't think I'd, I'd have this gig if it wouldn't have been for the way things went down. You know, I don't know, I don't know if you re exactly remember, but I was on tour with blue October for three straight months. And, um, you sent me this screenshot, like on the second to last day of the tour or something like that. And it was uh, a screenshot of Jerome, who's uh, the tour manager, who you've known for a few years here and there. Um, uh, I don't know, I guess from booking bands and just getting to know him on Facebook. Um, but he he had, um, you know, put out a screenshot uh, saying looking for a, a merch person uh, and to message him. And he didn't say who it was for, but I was just like, damn, I mean, had you not sent that, I might have not been able to uh, to get that gig. But yeah, some people ask me, you know, how did you get into arena touring and how did you get that gig? And I'm like, Facebook, believe it or not, you know, across and that's how I got into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you know, uh, you send me this screenshot and I'm like, damn, I mean, they're looking for somebody to, to work, to start the tour in like a couple days. And I'm like, man, I just finished a three month tour, but this is also an opportunity that I've been waiting for. So send them my resume. And on the last day of the tour, literally the last day, I get a uh, an email from Terry, who works for Breaking Benjamin. And I mean, this is like ten minutes before doors open, and my, I think my, I would say my jaw really did literally drop because I was just so blown away that I got a response. And um, we get through the whole thing. I, I fly home, and I'm in the airport, basically hitting up Terry, like saying, like, Hey, can you get on the phone? Can we get this thing sorted out? And, um, uh, we, we end up talking on the one, the day that I get home, I land, um, we have a discussion. He's like, can you fly out tomorrow? So I was literally home for about 
I don't know, 16 hours, something like that. Uh, did laundry, and then I went and joined uh, Breaking Benjamin to finish out their acoustic tour uh, that we were talking about earlier for like another two weeks. And I've I've been with them ever since, and uh, we've done you know about five tours so far, and we've got another one coming up. And it's just crazy that, um, like I've said before, you know, one thing can change the entire trajectory of of how things go for you. And had you not sent me that screenshot, I mean, who knows? I might still be you know doing theater stuff. Maybe uh, would went back to Belfagor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Speaking of Belfagor, yeah, their uh, drummer just hit me up recently. Their old drummer, and he was like, "Can you help out this girl? She wants to work for Toto. Um, she worked for Belfagor and all sorts of stuff. She's in Germany though. But either way, I, it just uh, makes me, you know, realize how, like you said, how far I, I've I've come from working for bands like Belfagor, who are a black metal cross crossover death metal band or whatever you want to call it. So working for active rock bands, it's, it's a completely different world, but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot has happened in the amount of time that I've known you. That is the 100% truth. It's been uh, quite a ride. Yeah. And uh, I know you'll be likely coming to one of the shows and uh, Logan always wants all access. He always has to say, give me all access buster. That's right. Hey, it's like, hey, don't you know who the fuck I am? I'm Logan from the Logan Show. And yeah, now, now, Logan from the Logan Show and Take Me On Tour. Right. I'll make sure I have a ticket reserved for you in section uh, 307. The Stevie Wonder section. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it'll be a good tour with uh, Daughtry supporting. That's what's coming up next. I'm sure I'll, that's the next time I'll see you in person is coming up on one of those, uh, those shows. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I know uh, you've got some stuff coming up with uh, the Logan Show. I know you've got some interviews that you just uh, wrapped up, as well as something, some other interviews uh, coming up. Is that right? Yeah, tons of uh, tons of them. My Joel Hoekstra, I'm going to put up today. Uh, tomorrow, I think is uh, Johnny D from Honeymoon Suite. Uh, sort of an '80s pop rock, but almost kind of like Loverboy. They were in. Uh, lethal weapon is which is how most people know them um and then let's see uh well i, I got to, oh uh, next week i've got uh brian tatler who's really a legend from uh, diamond head um and and now in saxon of course everybody remembers the big four uh when they played um am i evil that's that's a diamond head song so he's coming on uh mark kendall from great whites coming on and uh uh, this is uh, all sorts of stuff always in the works. So got that going on. I'll probably have a new, uh, regular video out soon. I've got two channels, the Logan show and Logan Crossland. So, uh, check those out. And, uh, you can also, uh, find me on social media at real Logan show. Yeah. And then, uh, for anybody that hasn't seen uh, Logan stuff, I mean, like he said, it, it's hard to describe what exactly everything um is about but it's really all music related uh he just did a video about green day ripping people off which uh it, it's all music related but it, it does make for some some good uh content as they call it these days but um you recently also did a uh a short on uh, talking about uh piggy d leaving rob zombie and blasco coming back yeah yeah i do some some shorts and, and tiktoks and reels and all that um and that yeah that's where i where i really do you know a lot of the new stuff and uh yeah it was sort of surprising to see that but then on the flip side 
seeing Blasco back in the band is about the most unsurprising thing uh, of of all time. But um, yeah, I mean, clearly uh, there's obviously quite a few changes being made in, in Zombies Camp with with John Five leaving, uh, whatever that was, a year year and a half ago now uh, to to join Motley Crue, and then uh, it sounded like from the way that that uh, Piggy D worded it, sounded like he was uh, maybe let go. Um, you know, so maybe let go in favor of Blasco. Who knows? Obviously, you know, Blasco, uh, has been, been in, uh, a part of Ozzy's band. I believe he left zombies band to join Ozzy's band, if I recall. Uh, but that's, you know, not really a thing anymore. Um, so I, you know, but he's also, you know, I think it's, it's common knowledge now. Uh, he's also a, an industry guy too. I mean, he, he, uh, manages, bands and uh i don't know if he still does but for a long time he managed um black veil brides and then uh I, I believe he still manages uh black label society and zach sabbath which he's also you know he's the bass player in, in zach sabbath but uh yeah kind of crazy to see piggy out but not surprising to see blasco back in right and um seeing blasco back in is really exciting for me i mean he brought Riggs back uh after john five left which i did not ever think uh that was going to happen because uh Riggs has like been out of the music industry for quite some time now he did have another band called scum of the earth but i don't think they were very active and he's just been a tattoo artist for quite some years now i got hit up uh i know we're trying to wrap this up but i got hit up uh when was this this was probably coming out of the pandemic i want to say I was getting hit up like relentlessly by that band um, for booking. And I just, I mean, I, I didn't do anything with it, but uh, I remember, I don't know if I ever put two and two together, but I remember hearing it and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is like a bunch of fucking Rob Zombie wannabes. I mean, it sounded just like Rob Zombie, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever even heard the band, but Rob Zombie had a song called scum of the earth. And I'm assuming that's where he got the name from yeah exactly um, uh, um yeah but i i it, it did make me you know basically the only last member that they haven't gotten gotten back is john tempesta which i don't know why Velasco came back i didn't see that coming i mean I, maybe you did but i didn't i just thought he was more of like you said an industry guy he's managing bands he's not really looking to be in a band anymore but at this point you have rob zombie Riggs, and Velasco. that's three of the four original members um from the rob zombie lineup and it just made me think of uh the time i saw uh i'm significantly older than logan (laughs) but uh i saw uh zombie in 99 and it was honestly one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life and it's uh one of the best memories i have of going to shows whenever i was younger i had to have been 11 at the time and some random dude just i was front row by myself my brother and uncle were somewhere else i Kind of just, I don't know, just made my way to the front and some random dude took care of me and uh, gave me my first uh, guitar pick ever, which was Blasco's pick that I still have from 1999. But it also did remind me that I think that was, if that wasn't the show, it was another show at the same venue. But um, I, I found a, a wallet on the floor towards the end of the show uh, whenever, you know, everyone's leaving and you see all stuff all over the place. And I guess someone dropped their their wallet and it had three dollars in it and i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> like, got this wallet had 
has three dollars in it and i remember we stopped at a at a gas station afterwards to gas up and i remember i bought a, a pack of cupcakes with it <laughs> why didn't you take the the wallet to a lost and found well i was 10 years old at the time 11 years old and i was just like hell yeah dude three dollars i didn't have any money but uh what's funny is that uh so I, I get all the way home. I don't know. My, my uncle didn't tell me any better, but uh, I get home and my mom is just like so mad at me and so disappointed in me. And she uh, she makes me replace the three dollars. I, I don't know where I got three dollars, but she makes me return the replace the three dollars. She worked out of Corpus at the time, which is about an hour from where I'm from. And she takes the wallet back. It had the guy's high school I.D., and um, she she took it back to the high school and got the wallet back to him. So, yeah, I kind of uh, learned a lesson that day. But I don't know. I mean, I've never do something like that now. I mean, I would have, yeah, easily turned it in. But, yeah, at the time, I guess I just didn't know any better. And I, I bought me a pack of uh, Hostess cupcakes instead. Not much has changed. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you a quick funny story, though. My, my, uh, my mom, when she was, I mean, fuck i don't even know i mean a little little girl probably six seven years old she stole uh, like a candy bar or something uh from the store and she went back to that store when she was an adult and she's like i stole a candy bar uh here like fucking 15 years ago and i want to pay you for it so oh she came to god and i'm just like oh my god i don't know if anything so that's got to be like the most honest thing that's ever happened yeah i was on tour one time and i i remember it was with shattered sun and we were at a convenience store and i filled up a you know a 32 ounce fountain drink or whatever and i start i i didn't mean to but i put the straw and started drinking it i think that was the only thing i bought and i remember just starting talking to the band and eventually i just walked out with it and didn't think anything of it and until we drove away and i, I remember thinking like the same thing i was like should i call back and try to pay for this drink. And I don't think I did, but I just think it would be too embarrassing to, to call back. But I remember I just felt so guilty about it, but uh, that's probably the last time I've stolen anything. And it wasn't, it was completely by accident. It was probably who knows a dollar fifties worth of uh, merchandise. And it, who knows, it probably cost them 15 cents for the foam cup and that's it. Oh, of course. And if it was a polar pop, those things are like 70 cents. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, um, uh, before we go, I just wanted to talk about some uh, tours that are happening now. Um, we are getting into February, and uh, some tours that are happening now or coming up is uh, another leg of the Machine Killer Tour with Static X and Seven Dust, uh, of course, Dope as well, um, and uh, Lines of Loyalty. You see how small they put their name there? I don't even know if you can see that. Lines of Loyalty, it's so small. I honestly, I can, I, I can see it. I can probably only read it because you just said the name. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if I could make that out. Yeah, I know it's tiny. I don't know if that was intended to be like that or if this is like an unfinished ad mat, but, um, yeah, I was a part of this tour, uh, just a few months ago and it is one of the best shows I've, I've seen in a long time. Static X really puts on a great show. And, uh, for anybody that's thinking about going, um, or even potentially buying a meet and greet. I will say that zero does have a meet and greet where he does take his mask off. Now it's very affordable. I think it's two fifty, maybe 300 bucks. I can't remember, but I was blown away to find out that he, that he takes the mask off and actually reveals who he is. I wonder who it is. 
and then on top of that, uh, Tools here, uh, they're actually in Austin today. We tried to go, but uh, weren't able to get tickets. Uh, the photographer who filled in on the Disturbed Tour is also their photographer. Uh, so Tools on, on tour right now. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to go. Uh, disturbed back at it again uh, with Fallen Reverse this time and Plush, who Plush opened up for Breaking Benjamin and Allison Chains a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, Disturbed already back at it, and they have one of the craziest shows with the amount of pyro. I mean, when we were touring with them, they were setting off sprinkler systems in these arena tours. <laughs> and of course, I go to the one show on the entire tour where they don't use the pyro. <laughs> right. And I, I remember finding out about that a couple of uh, days before and calling and be like, you might be disappointed, man, but I don't think they're going to have pyro. And uh, the, I don't know if it's just because the venue's made of wood, but I think that's the reason. But uh, they had absolutely no pyro and it kind of killed the whole show. But um, yeah, I mean, Logan kind of missed out on that one. He did do a full review on that as well. Uh, that's the show you did a review on, correct? Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, I'll tell you the best part of that night real quick. The best part of that entire experience was the, uh, you know, the, the that venue, the parking is, uh, is very, very, very far away from the actual venue itself. And, uh, you know, we were there until, I mean, Jesus Christ, it was like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, Stephen called uh, for a ride for me and, and Jamie, my fiance. And we're standing there, and here comes this fucking big black SUV. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Perks of the Logan Show. What's up? You know? So, uh, but no, that was, uh, I, I got to say, it was a great experience. I, I like Disturbed. I'm not a hardcore fan. Um, but they sounded great. And, uh, you know, it was it was a good show. It's always good to see uh, Breaking Ben. You know, nobody on that tour was, I'm am I like, you know crazy fan of but uh all the bands are all the bands were good man it was a good show yeah we gave you the uh the papa giorgio treatment as some people call it um <laughs> with that that suv it was totally decked out I, I i just i was expecting a golf cart but uh of course the uh the suv was was way better it looked way more pro uh <laughs> but uh um, the, driver, the driver's a fan yeah right uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Machine Head as well is out out right now with Fear Factory, Orbit Culture, who uh, very underrated band. They're they're on the come up as well. This might be one of their first tours in the U.S. Um, and uh, yeah, Machine Head's finally playing shows with other bands for I don't know how many years they were doing just an evening with Machine Head. It was like three hours of Machine Head or something like that. So I don't know. I guess they got well, bored. Yeah, the, the last couple tours uh, leading up to this have been um, like intimate uh tours they were doing like clubs right yeah and I, I don't know uh uh what changed i don't know what the first tour was that they decided to tour with other bands but um yeah i'm glad to see that they're uh doing that again and one of the things that uh phil demel mentioned when he left is that he got so tired of of not touring with other bands and how it was just them all the time he was like every time we go to a venue it's like there's nobody to hang out with he was like it's just the same band and crew and I, I would imagine you do get tired of that after doing so many tours in a row but um yeah i'm glad to see that they brought out fear factor who's direct support which is a little surprising considering the lineup changes which uh now has pete weber playing drums i think he might be permanent he's uh the drummer of havoc um but uh godsmack uh going on tour uh, hang on before, 
before you move on, I was a little surprised. I don't know all the venues on that tour, but the the venue here in Ohio that that Machine Head uh, tour is coming to, I was a little surprised. It's a casino, um, and this isn't really uh, this isn't really your typical casino uh, a tour. I was I was sort of surprised to see that going into the uh, MGM. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, I've done a few casinos, and they've always been with more active rock bands. I think the first time I ever did casinos was probably with, um, I guess, Theory of a Dead Man. They did a lot of them, and casino tours or casino shows are just something else, man. People in casinos do not know what the ins and outs are of a tour. There's always some kind of caveat that you got to deal with. Like they always have the most whack merch set up, the most like just staff that doesn't know what's going on. Just it's just one of those days you just have to get through. So I am surprised that that they're doing that as well because it's definitely more something you'd see Buck Cherry at or something. Yeah, Buck Cherry or or you know something like fucking you know those old school '60s '70s bands that are still around and yeah, a lot of classic stuff. Yeah, something like uh, maybe like this Godsmack tour that I was about to talk about next. I mean, that seems like something you'd see in a casino. But yeah, I, I was surprised to see that they're doing. Uh, uh, theaters, but I guess it says uh, an intimate evening of music and untold stories. So I guess it's not a typical Godsmack show because I think they'd probably be doing arenas or sheds if if they were doing a, a tour of their own. So this must be something else. Yeah, and and uh, I they had uh, they had announced a few dates. Um, originally, it was just like the the first three shows that was like the tour of Oklahoma. Um, and then yeah now there's this full tour and and i mean look uh, i love godsmack unironically i love that band <laughs> and uh you, you know it's it's great and i remember uh being a kid i had a, a dvd where they do an acoustic thing and and it's uh it's great and you know a lot of people dog that band but you know they do a lot of uh like tribal kind of drumming and stuff and um it works really well you know when they bring out the, the acoustics and the bongos and stuff because a lot of that shit's already in the songs, you know. That, that band gets a lot of heat, but uh, yeah, I I I think they're uh, they're always been a cool band. And and going back to Josta, that uh, I believe, excuse me, Sully, the singer Sully Erna on the show years ago, and just uh, telling a story about touring with Motley Crue and and how poorly they were treated on the tour. Uh, it's I mean it's like a legendary story. That's such a good story. Yeah, I I remember that now that you mention it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Godsmack, I've never really listened to. I've never uh, had a problem with them either, though. But I mean, I, I'm honestly having a hard time recognizing some of these people in the band. I know uh, the guitarist there, I think on the right, I, I think that's him. I mean, they just look so different now. Yeah, that's uh, that's him on the, that's Tony on the, the right with the uh, with the glasses. And then Robbie, the bass player on the bottom right, Shannon, the drummer on the left, and then Sully in the middle. Yeah, um, I mean, I... I barely recognize these guys well it's been 20 fuck 25 26 years since uh since uh the first record i mean it, you know they're almost they're basically classic rock at this point i know yeah talk about it um another tour that's not happening soon but did get announced uh is alpha wolf and amir i just brought this one up just because it was announced today but uh what, yeah what's uh uh interesting is that amir I guess they really just fallen a little bit because Alpha Wolf. I don't get it, but Alpha Wolf just opened for a package of four with Motionless and White. They were the first of four, and now they're headlining over Amir. So, 
I guess it, I guess it just depends on the package that's playing, but I did not expect Alpha Wolf to be over a mirror. This isn't really uh, something I guess that you're super familiar with. Um, I don't even know what you'd call these genres anymore, but compared to everything that we just showed as far as Disturbed, Tool, Machine Head, Godsmack, I mean, an Alpha Wolf tour, uh, it's a little from a different genre, but I did not expect uh, them to be headlining over a mirror. Well, it's interesting is, is um, there's this band, I, I just, uh, th there's this band that's touring in, in the uh, fall, like a, a prog metal band, and their last tour, I don't know if they're American based or not, but their last tour over here, they were doing, um, at least here in Ohio, they did like a five, four or five, I think it actually is 400 cap, four, four or 500 cap room. And I don't think it was sold out. I didn't go to the show, but I know a couple of people that did. And uh, I think it was well attended, but not sold out. But anyways, they're, uh, and they haven't announced this tour yet, but they have a tour in, in, uh, in the fall, September, uh, October. And here they're playing the House of Blues, um, which, uh, you know, I think the one in, in Cleveland is, is uh, 1,200 cap or something. But to, to make the jump from, you know, 400 cap room, I don't believe it was sold out to now doing, you know, something three times that size. And it's just them and, and one support band. It's, it's only going to be two bands. Um, so it's, it's interesting how, uh, you know, some of these bands just quickly make these, these jumps. Yeah. As we talked about earlier, I mean, it, it can happen in a, in a matter of a couple of years, just like we know with ginger. Yeah. Prime example, ginger. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, you never know. I mean, that, it could happen for anybody. I mean, geez, it's like all we've been hearing about is sleep token for, for the last year or so before that it was spirit box before that, uh, who knows it was ghost probably, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Those three bands alone are a prime example of, uh, as well of, uh, as how things can change. But, um, who did you say you were going to see this weekend? Uh, yeah, extreme, uh, in living color. And I'm, I'm so stoked. It's going to be the first show, uh, that I'm going to in 2024. Last show I've seen, or first show I've seen since I saw Andrew Dice Clay a few months ago. And I can guarantee you that at the end of the year, looking back on all the shows that I'll end up going to this year, Extreme will be easy top three, if not number one. Yeah, I, I when you told me about it, I didn't even know who Extreme was. And I, I just find it so weird because uh, we're, we're just on completely different sides of the spectrum when it comes to genres as, uh, you know, from... Logan should have been born in the seventies. <laughs> I should have been born in the sixties, really, since I could be uh, a full blown adult by the eighties. Right? But, uh, yeah, twenty eight years old and, and stuck in fucking nineteen eighty eight. Right. I'm going to see uh, Shattered Sun this weekend. Uh, coincidentally, it's uh, their first show in I don't know how long because uh, the, the last show that I booked for them. Yeah, probably, which was a couple years ago already. I mean, uh, I kind of forgot that you booked them for a little while there. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a bit of a reunion show for them and a couple of other bands on the bill. But um, it's in Corpus from more or less from where we're all from. But, um, uh, yeah, I haven't seen them in a few years, so it'll be good to catch up with them. But uh, they haven't been very active. I mean, Marcus joined uh, El Nino uh, quite some time ago now. It's been like four years, so he's been doing that. And uh, Rob's been teching for co wetzel and um i think everyone's just kind of moved on to other things yeah it's uh you know great band and it's uh it's a bummer that you know it never quite worked out for them you know they had some some decent opportunities and stuff over the years to be part of some big tours uh but hey for anyone listening too you you can go to wikipedia 
and you can find Steven's name listed as the original drummer for Shattered Sun. Uh, yeah, I, I am in there. I don't think I've ever even seen it myself. If I have, it was years ago. But yeah, I, I did start out with that band in high school, and it's insane to think that they're still here this many years later. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing that. Uh, I'm glad we finally got this episode out. I'll be uh, going on tour soon in about a couple of months, but we're going to try to get a few more episodes out until then. Um, and uh, until then, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube, at Take Me On Tour. There's also, like I said, a full-blown website that I designed that you can check out as well at TakeMeOnTour.com. Uh, hopefully, eventually, I'll, I'll get you know Twitter going, uh, threads, Discord, all the damn things that they got going now. And uh, I know you've got a few different uh, handles now, but I think at most places it's uh, Instagram, TikTok, all that. It's a real Logan show. And then you've got uh, Logan Crossland and Real Logan Show on YouTube. Yeah, Real Logan Show on on uh, I'm on Facebook X, Instagram, and and uh, TikTok, and uh, yeah, the Logan Crossland YouTube channel and uh, the Logan Show. Uh, yeah, you can also get the the podcast, the, the interviews, I should say, uh, on the streaming platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all that stuff, and the Spotify. Uh, not that there's no reason that, that you wouldn't go on YouTube, but the Spotify, uh, also has the video version as well. All right. Well, that's all we got for now. Thank you all very much for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.